College enrollment was down across the country even before the pandemic, but for the last two years, it's gotten worse. Same thing when it comes to the labor market. There aren't enough workers to fill jobs. In Wisconsin, higher education and industry are adapting by redefining what the path after high school can look like. Rich Kramer of Wisconsin Public Radio reports. Public, technical, and community colleges have borne the brunt of pandemic enrollment declines. Since fall of 2019, they've lost more than 700,000 students. The drop was around 16% among men and 10% among women. In Wisconsin, enrollment at state technical colleges dropped by 34% over the past decade. It's dropped more than 60% at two-year University of Wisconsin system campuses. That comes as Wisconsin employers say they're increasingly desperate to hire enough workers. Here at Sheboygan South High, the lunchtime rush starts with a murmur and quickly engulfs the hallways at this school of 1,100 students. Guidance counselor Steve Schneider says the demand for workers has led to intense recruitment. With both employers and colleges knocking on high school's doors, it falls to staff to clear a path in both directions. Let us as the adults take the brunt of the aggressiveness and filter that so that when you're presenting to our students and when we're talking with our students about these options, the students are still recognizing that they are in control of this choice. Those choices include a wide range of dual enrollment classes with students earning high school and college credit in fields like nursing, web design, and skilled trades. The school also offers work-based learning courses called co-ops, sponsored by local businesses. They pay students to work part-time while exploring career options. In the city of Plymouth, recent graduate A.J. Klug says he felt lost as he neared the end of his high school career. He thought about going to college, but was deterred by the prospect of taking on lots of student loan debt. Instead, he signed up for an 80-hour co-op with local car dealership Van Horn Automotive and felt at home working alongside master mechanics. I got into the shop and I said to myself, this is actually something that I enjoy doing. You know, I found something. I don't have to, you know, worry about it so much anymore. Klug is now working full-time with the dealership, earning good wages while taking tech college classes toward a certification. The dealership offered an apprenticeship program with $6,500 in scholarships for tools and tuition. Klug expects to graduate debt-free. Van Horn recruiter Shannon Lane says the apprenticeship was created in 2020 to address looming retirements. So that we can start building these younger technicians and having them work with the master technicians to grow their skills so that we have technicians for our future. As businesses make inroads to high schools, the traditional pipeline from high school to college is changing. Wisconsin Technical College President Morna Foy says the career pathway model, in which employees seek additional education after starting work, represents the most significant change in higher education. It is now being driven by what students and employers through their employees need. Not what's convenient for us, not what is comfortable for us as the education provider, but what do they need? Projections show the number of people hitting retirement age in many states will quickly outpace the number of working-age adults. What's been dubbed the silver tsunami is likely to drive more high school recruitment by businesses and even greater changes for colleges. For NPR News, I'm Rich Kramer in Eau Claire. Alfonso David, the former president of the Human Rights Campaign, is suing the organization, saying that he was underpaid and eventually fired because of his race. 
David was the first black president of HRC, which is the largest LGBTQ plus advocacy organization in the country. His contract was renewed for another five years last July, but he was fired in September after being named in the New York Attorney General report on sexual harassment allegations against then New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. David had served as chief counsel in Cuomo's office before joining HRC. The AG found that even after leaving the governor's office, he retained the confidential personal personnel files of one of Cuomo's accusers and later shared those files with Cuomo's staffers, who then leaked them to the press in an effort to discredit the accuser. The attorney general also found that David, as HRC president, advised Cuomo's office in responding to the allegations. Shortly after his firing, Alfonso David came onto this show and said this. I came on as a black man to really challenge some of the systems that have been ingrained in this institution. And I am being treated this way, and I'm being treated differently, I believe, because of my race. In a statement responding to his lawsuit, HRC's interim president said in part, quote, Mr. David's complaint is riddled with untruths. We are confident through the legal process that it will be apparent that Mr. David's termination was based on clear violations of his contract and HRC's mission. And as president of HRC, he was treated fairly and equally. Joining me now on set, Alfonso David, who is suing his former employer, the Human Rights Campaign for Racial Bias. Alfonso, thank you very much for coming back to the Sunday show. So uh, your response to HRC saying that your lawsuit is, writ, quote, riddled with untruths. Jonathan, first, thank you for having me. Um, nothing more eloquently highlights the problem that I'm challenging than HRC's own response. I filed a 16-page federal civil rights lawsuit alleging incident after incident of systemic racial discrimination. Three black and brown men spoke to the press, corroborating the fact that HRC is actually riddled with racial bias. What does the organization do? Do they conduct an independent investigation? Do they hire a law firm to conduct that investigation? No. Instead, the organization issues a statement that seeks to erase the problem. This is not just about me. HRC is an organization that is riddled with racial bias. All you have to do is look at the pipeline report that was issued that showed every single vice president in that organization and the majority of employees said the organization has a problem with race. So their response tells me that they're not really interested in addressing the problem. Well, I mean, you mentioned the pipeline report, which was an internal report from 2015, yes. which um, says, quote, leadership culture is experienced as homogenous, gay, white, male exclusion was broad based and hit all identity groups within HRC. And this gets to a question that uh, a friend of mine sent to me, knowing that I was going to be interviewing you. And he asked, and I wonder as well, so what's a nice black guy like you doing in a place like that? I'm a civil rights lawyer. I'm an advocate. I'm fighting for change. You know, I don't believe that God put me on this planet for pleasure or for power, but actually to affect meaningful change. And so I've dedicated my life, more than 20 years, litigating cases across the country. I drafted the Marriage Equality Act in New York. I drafted criminal justice reforms. 
And if, as civil rights leaders and as advocates, we're going to look the other way, then all of the old institutions will never change. So I took this on because I think it's important that we dismantle systemic discrimination and systemic bias. And I, and I, and I hear what you're saying, mm -hmm. and all of that makes sense. The, the number one reaction to your interview that we did back in September was that you never took responsibility for what was outlined in the attorney general's report. And last I've seen and read and even talked, you haven't denied any of the actions uh, reported, uh, uh, delineated in the report. So I'm just wondering, are you willing to say that you did anything wrong? No, I'm not willing to say that I did anything wrong. What we have to appreciate here is that we have a standard that applies to lawyers. I'm a lawyer and I have an obligation under the law to provide advice and information regarding matters that I worked on for former clients and current clients. That is a standard that applies to white lawyers and it should apply to black lawyers. But in this case, even though I'm a lawyer, they are trying to apply a different standard. White lawyers provide advice all the time to former clients regarding issues that they worked on. They don't lose their jobs. I did. One of the, one of the issues that HRC had with what you did was not only what you did, but you never told them. You never informed them that you were, you were cooperating with the attorney general, that you were a part of this investigation. They were blindsided by your, your participation. Should, I mean, did they not have a right to fire you over that? No, they don't for two fundamental reasons. One, the attorney general advised my lawyer that I was legally prohibited from disclosing the fact that I was being reviewed, I was being interviewed by the attorney general's office regarding this investigation. So I was legally prohibited from actually disclosing that I was being interviewed. But the second reason is HRC has failed to disclose the findings of their independent investigation. Now, let's remember, when this happened, HRC issued a public statement and they said, we are going to conduct an independent investigation and we will be transparent in our findings. I asked for those findings. I was fired because I challenged them. Six months later, there are no findings. And here you and I are pontificating about what HRC thinks what their findings are, but they haven't released any findings. This would be a very different scenario if I was white. I've got two, I have two more questions for you because I, we get into it and <laughs> we've, we've run out of time. But I mean, you are alleging racial bias, mm -hmm. but five of the seven members of HRC's executive committee are black. Mm -hmm. So square that circle for, for viewers. Okay. It's like the old adage, I can't be racist because I have black friends. HRC, and hold on for a second, HRC is an institution that has been riddled with racial discrimination for years. And I'll point to two instances here where I will directly undermine this, this proposition that HRC is advancing. Remember, we still don't have the findings. But I am forced to defend their position when they haven't issued findings. Second, one of those board members that they're referencing said to a guest at an event, that the organization was not ready for the first black president. Another board member who they're referencing broke down in tears in front of black and brown employees at the organization and said this process was flawed. HRC is hiding in secrecy. 
they want to stand behind a veneer that they are the largest mm. LGBTQ civil rights organization, but they don't want to honor due process and transparency. You can't have it both ways. I'm still trying to figure, well, I'm still trying to square the circle that I asked you to, to square. But real quickly, last question. One of the things that you are asking for in this lawsuit, correct me if I'm wrong, is to be reinstated. Mm -hmm. Do you really think you could lead an LGBTQ plus organization that has as um, its mission, its staff, and members who are survivors of sexual uh, harassment of some, so of some sort, mm -hmm. how can you be an effective leader of that organization given what's in the, the Attorney General's report? Well, just as a technical matter, um, given that one of the claims is a breach of contract, that is a function of pleading where you put in the complaint that you are seeking to be reinstated. Okay. But more practically, let's not ignore that theirs is an organization that has, has a significant racial problem. And so what are we doing? Ignoring all of the black and brown employees at that organization? Why is it that no one is actually concerned about that? Why is it that no one is concerned about all of the black and brown employees who are resigning over the past few months? At least three black men have resigned from the organization. Where is that story? Well, Alfonso, it is, it is my hope that we could get someone from HRC in the future to come on and, and talk about this. But Alfonso, David, thank you very, very much. The COVID-19 pandemic hit the entire economy hard, but not all Americans were affected in the same way. The number of businesses owned by African-Americans plummeted in 2020. But there's good news. According to the University of California, Santa Cruz, the number of Black-owned businesses is currently at more than 30 percent above pre-pandemic levels, and that's being driven largely by Black women. NPR's Jasmine Garst spent time in a commercial area of New York that's come to be known as Black Girl Magic Street and has this report. Even on a recent day when it's pouring icy cold rain, bed in Brooklyn is beautiful. Especially Tompkins Avenue, under a canopy of bare trees lined by gorgeous old brownstones, the smell of incense wafts from one of the local clothing stores. Khadija Tudor grew up around here in the 80s. She says she has a lot of fond memories. Like listening to music with friends. Lots of new addition. I am a card-carrying lifetime member of the New Edition fan club, so. But it was also a difficult time. This neighborhood was hard hit by drugs and violence. I remember I had a really good friend. We were like maybe 12 or 13 years old. And we would walk around in our neighborhood, but we would look down. We would never really look up because we're like, we didn't really want to see what was around us. But we would talk about what we wanted it to look like. And this is a lot more like what she wanted it to look like. The streets are fairly well-kept, bustling with quaint coffee shops, locally sourced designer shops, an independent bookstore. It's an area that has been heavily gentrified. And yet, commerce on Tompkins Avenue remains significantly Black-owned. Tudor herself is a massage therapist, and she co-owns the Life Wellness Center with her partner. She's especially proud of serving women. When I started doing this work, I started meeting that it didn't matter what the socioeconomic background was. Women specifically, we neglect ourselves like, like champions. Like, like, 
It's like gold medal status. Her business offers massage, acupuncture, and sells medicinal herbs. Many of her customers depend on her for their well-being, and she depends on them to stay in business. But in early 2020, as COVID-19 swept through the city and a lockdown went into effect, that symbiotic relationship was tested. Even her regulars stopped coming in. People like Goldwyn Lewis Wilkinson, a retired nurse, she says she was too scared to go out. I remember a particular moment where I knelt to the side of my bed when I said, "I'm scared. I'm scared." COVID-19 killed four people in Wilkinson's family, including her daughter. She was 39, just married two months. She got married in February and she died in April. The pandemic battered this community. It also battered its economy, not just in Bed-Stuy. Nationwide, by April 2020, black-owned businesses dropped by over 40 percent. Aisha Joseph owns Make Manifest, a variety store which also functions as a workshop space for the community. Business was good, and then the pandemic started. I just was like, this can't be it. She says she watched as the always vibrant Tompkins Avenue came to a halt. It was just more like a ghost town around. It was just more the despair, the the, the people just feeling very uncertain, not knowing what's going on, not knowing what's happening. Tompkins Avenue merchants braced themselves for the worst. Tisha Merritt is the president of the Tompkins Avenue Merchants Association, or TAMA. She also owns a juice bar, The Bush Doctor. When I shut down, I said, if I'm going through this issue, so are the merchants. She says she immediately called the stores in the association and helped them apply for loans and grants. All the businesses that are part of TAMA received grants, which was a, a number one plus for us to keep their business afloat. The association also helped owners move their businesses outside. They closed down the avenue and had sidewalk sales. And owners checked in on each other every day. Here's Khadija Tudor again. We have a WhatsApp group that we would. Well, what are you doing? And who? How are you getting this PPP? And this? What? What are you doing th- with this loan? And so much information coming at you. You're a small business owner, and you're just trying to figure out how to open up and sell online. It was the best of times, and it was the worst of times. Truly, Aisha Joseph says help came from even unexpected places. The landlord was very supportive. I mean, we had to pay the rent eventually, but you know, he wasn't on top of us. He understood that he was in the same situation, and、um, he believed in us too. These women's efforts earned Tompkins Avenue the nickname "Black Girl Magic Street." Joseph smiles when she hears the nickname. Black women have been able to really rise up in times that it's like you just have to get it done. It's like a magical thing. Like you could turn, you know, chitlins into to a gourmet dish. Black girl magic is all about how black women can really, literally turn dust into gold. It's been hard for this community to recover. So much has been lost. Goldwyn Lewis Wilkinson says after her daughter passed, she couldn't bring herself to go anywhere. She'd spent years going to Tompkins Avenue, but this time Tompkins Avenue reached out to her. Khadija Tudor and her partner called her and offered to bring her in on a day when no one else came, so she'd feel safer. After a conversation about what that would look like, she finally made her way back to Tompkins Avenue and got her massage. And she says as she lay there, she felt. A sense of calm and relief. You know, I was telling the person who was massaging me that she's here. You know, she's watching us. She's smiling at us, and she said,、um, "Who are you talking about?" I said, "My daughter." 
She's right here. She's happy that I'm I'm taking care of myself. She says afterwards she sat in silence for a while and held on to that feeling, that magic. It helped get her through. I don't want to cause through. any problems, Lieutenant. I just Jasmine Garst, NPR News, New York. Part is a racist prick, but you don't want to stir up any bad feelings with him. Well, he's been on the force for a long time. And, uh, 17 years. And I do have to work here, sir. So, you don't mind that there's a racist prick on the force. You just don't want him to ride in your car. If you need me to go on record about this, sir, I will. That'd be great. Write a full report. Because I'm anxious to understand how an obvious bigot could have gone undetected in this department for 17 years. 11 of which he was under my personal supervision. Which doesn't speak very highly of my managerial skills. But that's not your concern. I can't wait to read it. On Today in Florida, after just months on the job, a top cop is out. It was in the best interest of the department to separate with the current uh, chief of police. City officials explaining why he was fired from the force. For the first time since he was relieved of duty, we're hearing from that former chief telling us his side of the story. Yes, yeah, 7 Samantha Sosa is live outside of the Fort Lauderdale Police Department with more on this cop controversy. Samantha. Lorena Tavares, the former chief, accused of promoting people based on their skin color. But he tells 7 News that, that is simply not true. Now fired from the force, Fort Lauderdale's former police chief, Larry Scarotto, speaking out, giving 7 News his side. Those minority groups and now are being treated as if they were less than deserving because that's not the case and it never was. After just six months on the job, the city fired him, accusing him of promoting officers based on their race. The promotions that I made of our minority candidates were because they were exceptional candidates and excelled at every level of the organization. They deserved to be promoted and oh, by the way, they happened to be minority. It wasn't because they were minority. The top cop controversy comes after several complaints from within. That led to an outside investigation, which says he pointed to this wall of pictures that shows the department's command staff, saying, that wall is too white and I'm going to change that. He spoke to us by phone and said those statements were taken out of context. The bottom row it was consisted of a majority of white men and a white woman. And I, my, the statement was, how do I... How do I convince our community we are a diverse community when this is what they will see and we speak about diversity and inclusion? When it came to selecting a captain, he's also accused of saying this is between Cecil and Eddie. Which one is blacker? He tells Seven he never said that. The city manager weighing in on the 12-page report. We strive to be diverse in our organization. We strive to represent the community that we serve. There's just certain lawful ways to allow that diversity to happen and in this case the investigative report indicated we didn't quite follow the law in how we were working towards those diverse positions. The former chief is also accused of working as a college basketball referee while being on the clock as chief and getting paid for it. The now fired city auditor who was let go for investigating this without the city's permission said in a memo the chief was paid by the city for these unauthorized schedule adjustments totaling an estimated 55.50 hours. Right now an interim police chief has been appointed, making this the fifth top cop for the city since 2020. And an attorney for several Fort Lauderdale police officers saying that they're glad that the city took these allegations seriously. For now, we are live in Fort Lauderdale. Samantha Sosa today in Florida. For decades, the tech sector has been a trendsetter for office culture. 
You can thank Silicon Valley and startup mentality for pushing the open office concept, endless snacks, and conference rooms with silly names. Tech also led the way early in the pandemic with work-from-home arrangements and hybrid work more recently. But now that more tech companies are getting ready to call employees back to the office, what kind of workplace culture will there be when they arrive? And what does tech work look like now? Joining us to discuss this is our tech reporter, Katie Binley. Hi, Katie. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. So, Katie, it's been about two years since offices started closing due to the pandemic, and it's been unclear for a while whether offices were ever going to fully reopen and how companies would deal with the fact that many of their workers don't want to go back to the office. I want to play this clip of Sundar Pichai, the CEO of Google Parent Alphabet, speaking at the WSJ's Tech Live conference last October about returning to the office. It has to make sense for people as to you know what they get out of by coming all the way to work, particularly if, you're going, if they're going to be on video at work too. Google plans to have workers come back to the office a few days a week starting in April. But Katie, how are tech companies in general making this return to the office make sense for people? Yeah, I think um, one of the major things coming out of the pandemic for tech companies is this emphasis on flexibility. They're really just trying to they say that they're listening to their employees and that their employees have told them that flexibility is important to them. So we're seeing a lot of these hybrid models, meaning people might come in three days a week and stay home two days a week, or these models where really it's up to the employees when they come in and how often they come in. So Twitter, for example, they announced that they're going to start reopening their offices on March 15th. But the way their CEO announced it to people was really just emphasizing that ultimately it's up to the employees. What he said in the announcement was, wherever you feel most productive and creative is where you will work. And that includes working from home full time forever. Office every day, that works too. Some days in the office, some days from home, of course. So it's almost this, uh, you know, it seems like employers are coming across at least as being fairly deferential to the preferences of their employees. That was the case with Twitter at least. And then Google has said that people will be coming in a few days a week. And so, yeah, I think, you know, across the board, there's just this emphasis on making sure that employees have some say in when they come in. So given that shift with tech staff being able to work remotely, maybe forever, how has that changed the way tech companies go about hiring new workers? I think one of the things that we've seen is just the, the spread of tech jobs around more parts of the country. Um, for a long time, you know, a lot of the tech jobs have been based in what are often referred to as superstar cities, you know, San Francisco, Seattle, New York. And while there's still a ton of tech jobs in all of these cities, what we've seen is tech companies recruiting in more places around the country than they had previously. This is something that had started before the pandemic, but to use everyone's favorite word of the pandemic, it has been accelerating during the pandemic. So we've just seen uh, more hiring in more places really, and also expansion and more satellite offices and things like that. There was an interesting thread on Twitter from, I think it was in January, where a bunch of execs from different tech companies were talking about you know, the way that the pandemic has changed things with respect to hiring and uh, Brian from Airbnb said, you know, the place to be was Silicon Valley. It, it feels like now the place to be is the internet. 
And um, the CEO of Coinbase, Brian Armstrong, actually included a stat in his tweet. He was retweeting the CEO of Stripe's stats about their hiring. So Brian Armstrong said 89% of new hires at Coinbase were from somewhere other than the West Coast, and that's up from 30% before the pandemic. So that's a pretty you know, dramatic shift. And then another exec, Alyssa Henry, who um, she heads up the Square business unit within Block. She said 40% of the managers on her team don't have any direct reports living in the same location as them. And her take was basically that distributed and asynchronous work is the future. And then interestingly enough, this has started spreading to other industries as well. This idea of, you know, just more distributed hiring and General Motors had said this year that it's planning to hire 8,000 tech workers, but most of them would not be based in its Detroit headquarters. So you are seeing this shift spread to other industries beyond tech. Let's talk about that other buzzword you just said, asynchronous, uh, this idea that, you know, you aren't necessarily working the same hours. But for companies that, you know, a lot of them have prided themselves on teamwork as key to performance and to culture, how are they making that work? Yeah, async work is definitely a buzzword right now. And I think it goes hand in hand with this idea of flexibility of location. So, you know, if your workers are spread out potentially in different time zones, you have to figure out how they are going to be able to, you know, collaborate with one another in a way that works for everyone. So what we're seeing is this adoption of, you know, quote, core hours or common hours. So in many cases, it's happening as a team level agreement where you and your colleagues together with your managers decide, okay, we are going to all be available between, say, 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. for brainstorm sessions to jump on calls. And then they're having these other set of hours, which are considered to be like your focus time where you do your individual deep focused work and you're not available to collaborate. So that's something that we're definitely seeing several companies adopt. I just want to talk about those big, elaborate office campuses that these tech companies had, because there's quite a lot of space there. What are they doing with it now that remote work has become kind of a permanent fixture of their culture? Yeah, I mean, the companies that I've spoken with, you know, say that their offices will still be important to them. And in some cases, you know, during the pandemic, tech companies have opened new office spaces or expanded on spaces in existing cities. So I don't think any of them are downplaying the role of their offices. It's more, you know, we're going to use the space differently. So there's definitely this idea of, you know, Salesforce previously has said, like, no more sea of desks. The office is going to be for collaborating, for getting together with your colleagues. Um, other companies have told me, you know, if you have a day full of Zoom meetings, then, you know, work from home that day. Google's going to run a series of pilot programs in some cities, including in New York, Dublin, London, Singapore, and then also in the Bay Area, where they'll be reconfiguring their office layouts. And they said the goal was to boost productivity and connectedness. And then they'll see how those experiments go and then decide whether or not to scale them more broadly. And then, you know, there's also been sort of an interesting linguistic shift where Dropbox, for example, doesn't call their offices offices anymore. They call them studios. Um, other companies have told me about, you know, we're moving away from the word headquarters to, you know, get at this idea of being more distributed. All right. That was our reporter, Katie Binley. Thanks for joining us, Katie. Thanks for having me. Context of white supremacy. Gusty Renegade in the superstar city of Seattle. Seattle and San Francisco, both cities mentioned in 
the man in the high castle they are sister cities so I have been told Seattle is like the cleaner newer version of San Francisco in my opinion and actually crazy enough probably the warmer version maybe not this time of year but I'd say at least half of the year yes the warmer version of San Francisco anyway Today, Neutralizing Workplace Racism, Friday, March 11, 2022. So I have been told our weekly broadcast, uh, if we have any folks out there, you don't have any of the problems and such that we talked about. If you go into your office, it's safe. They follow the protocols and what have you. If you need to be at home, something comes up with your offspring or I just don't feel safe. Stay at home, do a little juicing, get my smoothie and what have you. Not a problem. Take as much time. Exactly what the folks at Google and what have you said. If staying at home is where you're most productive, then by golly, you stay at home. That's what they tell you. You feel like coming in? Grand to see you. Got some fresh, organic, vegan bagels that are hermetically sealed in a vacuum, of course. Waiting for you. Still not eating those, but I mean, hey, we are looking out for you. You get all of your raises, you get all of your promotions, sparkling performance reviews every time. If you have gotten yourself to this comfortable position, you're not molested. They don't call you any names. You don't have to fend off racist jokes. They don't come to tell you about their sex lives and all that nonsense. Please share with us. How did you accomplish this? We would like to emulate some of your creature comforts in the workplace. The number to dial is 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. <clears throat> number again, 720 716 Seven three hundred, the code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. The email until justice at gmail dot com. Until justice at gmail dot com. Drop us a line if you have uh, strategies that you think. Other non-white people should contemplate and or implement uh, and or if you're having a situation, you would like us to offer some logical counter racist suggestions to help you solve problems without creating new problems. All of that said, a few quick things on some of the reports that we heard, then we'll get to the emails and folks who dialed in uh, the report. I was not going to play it. Then I went ahead and, you know, included anyway, uh, no shortage of workplace racism related, you know, content to discuss these days. The report about high school students and them stepping in to replace the metaphor that was used, the silver tsunami. That's a new one. I hadn't heard that before, but all of these white people retiring. Who's going to take their place? Oh, my goodness, what's going on? I can even use they were accelerating because I think this whole two years of the Rona situation has 
accelerated retire, uh, retirements uh, for a lot of folks, even some cows listeners who said, I'm not doing all this, I'm not fighting and squabbling over vaccines and masks and all the rest of it. Peace, son. I will, you know, holler at you. I'll be out on the beach or, you know, playing with my grandchildren, growing, planting uh, cucumbers or something. Uh, that is for sure something to be mindful about. You might even be seeing that wherever you work. Uh, if you see, you know, the managers and supervisors uh, with the warden, these folks are, you know, whoa, pushing 65, getting up there like yikes, mass exodus. And I suspect it's going to be a lot of grousing because, man, demographics and all being what they are, white genetic annihilation. Whew, it could be that a number of non-white people have to take some of these spots just because, as I said, the demographics. 2060, that's the number that's been floated a lot that, hey, by then, majority of white people will be infertile, North America and Europe. You have things like COVID and another war that could accelerate that word again, that sort of trend. E. Something to be mindful about. Do try to get as much training as you can in your workplace. See if you can be one of those folks to step in. See if I can get one of those replacement spots with a nice big raise. Let's see the next one. They talked about uh, two years of the pandemic. Black businesses have been hit hard, 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 hard. Racism, white supremacy hits hard regardless, pandemic or no. Anyway, they said that. Uh, in New York, at least, there's been a boom of black businesses and it's been black females. I just knew that they were going to tell me it was the privileged black male. Our Al Sharpton, Mayor Eric Adams, maybe even Thomas in New York. That's where they're talking about. Maybe they all got together and the, the black males, they got No. Black girl magic street. Incidentally, I do not think that that is a constructive phrase. I'm not a female, so maybe no one cares what I think, but just counter racist logic. If it was Universal Woman Avenue, let's see if we can do a yoga retreat there. Can I get a picture? Like, wow. I would be stunned. Might have to work out a trademark with Mr. Fuller, whatever, but, you know, he might give that away, let you do it for free. Plug for the book, right? Universal Woman Way or Avenue. Universal Woman Boardwalk. I like that one too. I like that. Black Girl Man, it's many reasons. Like, we don't even have to get to the other. Black Girl. Universal Woman. Black Girl. The next part of why I don't not a fan. I don't think it's constructive. We could pick way better phrases. I could see why white people would be excited and would promote jargon like this, rhetoric like this. We were talking about very small group of us. We're talking about the man in the high castle. We were talking about logic. Actually, we were talking about both logic. Neely Fuller Jr. Saying Neely Fuller Jr. Wow, just you know him being able to predict things and saying that they're going to have black males and dresses and what have you like wow and I said clairvoyant like yeah I don't know that has kind of a kind of a, a, a connotation of magic you know 
Like we got pixie dust or something operating to figure all of this out. We got a crystal ball, maybe. And that's not what it is, if you understand logic. Totally agree. Prescient, that was the word I was thinking, which Mingo would have been great. Actually, Prescient and Clairvoyant are synonyms, but whatever. I'm not a fan. I don't think we should be about magic thinking. We've had enough of that magic Negro this and all the rest of it. We want to be about logic, understanding the science, skipping to the end. When they were talking about Google, they said they're doing an experiment. They didn't say we got, you know, white engineer magic. They said we sat down. We have schematics and a plan. We are going to conduct an experiment when we get the results back, we will see about whether or not we expand this sort of office plan or if they're not going to call it an office, even changing up the words, right? That's not magic. You go in, you have a plan, you use logic to get the best possible result. That's another reason why I think, wow, they probably deliberately would pick a phrase like that to keep us in that mindset of being, you're just little children just little boys and gals and you just think about cartoons and magic carpets fairy rides yes that's what you think about little nigra children so anyway so they have black girl magic road or way or whatever it is uh in new york black girl magic street the easy one in new york and black females they have their businesses whoopee for them uh the metaphors that burst out in here they said we 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 black women and a lot many things in that segment pushing the same notion about how strong the black woman is in a system of racism white supremacy that is not so you do not have strong black people males females children if they are subject to white terrorism all day long come and shut your business down right now Anywho, in the midst of all that, they had a lot of meta. Black girl magic is one. So, I mean, it's just metaphors all the way through it. In fact, let me pause right there. The whole tone of the segment. This is supposed to be serious. We're talking about business. They start this segment off. I mean, now, hey, I'm not talking bad about Bobby Brown. I think we got cows listener. Cows listeners are black female in Georgia. She's I love me some new edition. Many people do. Why do you need to start this segment about black girl magic street and these black female entrepreneurs who are doing great things in New York City? Why does this need to start with candy woman? Oh, that's not the song It's candy girl. Now, you could do your reminisce and how it was we were growing up and blah, 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 and all that. They could have talked about Tawana Brawley, right? You want to talk about how it was back in the day, but whatever. Uh, why does that have to start us off? Then we get to black girl magic and then it's, we get another dose of the strong black woman. We turn, what is it, chitlins into a gourmet meal. I'm not interested in eating at any five-star restaurant where they have chitlins on the menu. Now, I'm very aware many people around the world consume chitlins. I believe in France they are considered a, uh, a delicacy. Parts of Korea, other parts of the world... I am not on the hall. James Brown said that the great two times for Georgia. The great James Brown said, that he, I, don't, I don't get out on the hall. He got to handle his own business down there. I don't, I don't get out on all that with the, with the hall. Plant-based. I don't do that. Couldn't just leave it at that. Turn chitlins into gourmet meal, whatever that is. 
then it's can't turn tomatoes into gourmet meals, zucchini, broccoli, sweet potatoes, chickpeas. Then dust into gold. Midas touch. That's that's a fairy tale. Isn't that one of those fairy tales? Child thinking. I talk about the Meadows Wars tomorrow, but that sort of thinking, that's the way that they want to present the world. This is black people. Just little children. Great, awesome with the businesses. Hope they all work out, especially with wellness. Like, hey, we go there and do some yoga. I'm all about that wellness. They're doing massages and what have you. Even that seemed like it was skewed to females. I don't know why black males couldn't be included in that. Do black do people get the sense that black males are all about pampering themselves and getting massages and self-care and wellness checks with their doctors? Is that your all's impression of black males? Rick Ross looks like he's all about that, right? Forgive me for being a toxic black male. Let's see. Condolences, uh, Goldwyn Lewis Wilkinson. She said lost four people in her family, including her daughter, who's only 39. Like, wow. Condolences. Um, Even though this was one of the early segments, went a little out of order. I had the segment from BNC on Alfonso David, black male. He was a part of former New York stand with the same state, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, his staff, uh, and he was terminated uh, from his job with the Human Relations Commission, HRC Council, uh, was terminated uh, because of the report that came out from the Attorney General, uh, Attorney General in New York, as a black female, uh, Letitia James, uh, talking about his involvement uh, in using this information and attacking alleged victims or accusers of former Governor Cuomo and what have you. First thing that came to mind, like, wow, is so many times where black people will be on jobs and we end up getting in trouble for white people's criminal activity activities and shenanigans in the workplace uh, that this happens on a regular basis uh, somehow even I remember back uh, when they had the security fiasco with President Obama remember that and they had white people that snuck in they weren't supposed to be there black person black female in that one got fired now, I'm sure white people are most to blame all the way through but eh, it's your fault yeah it's your fault They'll have lots of examples where it'll be a white person was the one who was, you know, involved in the maldeed, doing something improper. Say, oh, you you participated in the cover. You were a part of this. So, yeah, they said that with Boris Johnson. Remember that we just talked about that, where they had the Christmas party and all that big get together when they were supposed to be not doing doing the distancing and not getting together. And they had a black male who got in trouble. They had to drag him out on television. He got fired and all this. What are you doing? Organizing parties, telling the rest of hypocrites, all that. Two, it may have been that, you know, this was a just firing. That could be. And it could be that they do practice racism, white supremacy at HRC. I mean, it would be odd if they didn't, even if they do have five, six, they could have 5,000 members of their board. Who are the folks that control the decision making and the funding for this organization? Who founded it? That's what I'd want to know. Who even hired those black people that got those jobs that he was talking about? Who are the folks who ordered his firing? Lots of questions that I would ask. But again, both of those things could be true that they felt, hey, this is something that warrants you being removed from this position. And 
we practice white supremacy racism. I guess my question would be, did you like have anything filed before they let you go? Like to address the white supremacy racism in the company? That would maybe be a question or had you, you know, talked about this publicly to try to make them make some changes before all of this happened? Just my own personal curiosity, but whatever. Um, let's see. The COVID changes, we heard about the tech uh, industry. Seattle, I know they've had, man, Seattle's like a whole different world. Uh, downtown, because for two years there's been so many people have been cleared out. They have the Amazon Amazon headquarters, at least one of them is downtown here in Seattle, and they have so many other big corporations and conferences and all the rest of it. And for two years now, a lot of that has just been cleared out or uh, greatly reduced from what it was before all of this started. Uh, so I could see that trend continuing, at least for a lot of white people where they are allowed to, you know, hey, I got hired, got the job. I lived in uh, Seattle. Now I'm in Wyoming, you know, or Florida or wherever, Austin, Texas, or who knows, Singapore, as they said. I could see a lot of that where individuals classified as white. The result of this could end up where they have all kinds of flexibility in the workplace. You were talking about it where now we don't work the same schedule or the same hours and we're in different time zones. So we got to figure out different ways of coordinating. Take advantage. Uh, if you're switching a job or if they're looking to change up uh, the protocol or if you even have to be there, if they're going to make it a hybrid situation where you can be in the office three days a week or two days a week and at home the rest. Or maybe even you can be at home all the time. Oh, my goodness. Take advantage if you need to we've had folks here where they said sometimes they made it a group effort so it wasn't a one person thing the entire group went in and said we don't what's my word safe we don't feel safe and they got to change we've had other people who went in individually I say on this one you go high what Michelle Obama say former first lady Michelle Obama say you go high you don't go in there and be niggerish and say, hey, can I work from home uh, for two days? We've still got some safety concerns and I have offspring and I feel like I can be just as productive, get everything done in terms of my duties and responsibilities while still making sure that I'm safe. While we get through this covid situation, you don't ask for one day at home, you ask for four. Three that way, if they say, oh, my God, nigger, are you crazy? You can't work at home four days a week. We'll let you work three. Beautiful. Yeah, let you work for. We'll let you work too. Great. You go in and ask for one. No, get out of here. You don't have any. You know. You go high. Maybe even ask if you can work all the time because that's what some of the white people are getting. Anyway, before we pivot, uh, emails and the other commentary. I have more to say about this tomorrow. Really, is so important. It's pitiful. Mister Fuller did say that we are in a pitiful position. So maybe I'll say something about it two days in a row, uh, and because. Gus T, I've heard this for directly from Cow's listeners. I can even scratch that. I've heard this directly from Cow's investors where they responded exactly like Corey Pujols. We talked about him before. Who is Corey Pujols? He lives down Ron DeSantis land, black male in Florida, working at Dunkin' Donuts. I don't know if they have hybrid work option for Dunkin' Donuts. I doubt it. A white male, a white man, vinyl. Oh, my God. I have more to say about this tomorrow. A white child rapist, convicted child rapist, registered sex offender. Comes to Dunkin Donuts, probably to get donuts to go out and rape children. Anyway, he comes to Dunkin Donuts and is upset about the service. They ask him to leave. He comes inside. Nigger this, nigger that. Right, right, right. You're going to give me my donuts. I go rape children. Corey Pujols, black male, 27-year-old black male, 
Just hey, hey, hey. I don't know who you think you are. You don't come in here. Nigga this, nigga that. Say it again. And of course, child raping Mr. Cook. Nigga this, nigga that. I've been to jail. I ain't scared of you. Unfortunately, Mr. Pujols, wham! Do my best Tyson Fury impersonation. And I mean, he fopped him. Bam-o! However you want to look at it, Mr. Cook died from all of this. Uh, and the end result, this happened last spring. The end result, that's another thing to think about, too. Mr. Fuller talks about that. So Act 1, this is all 30 seconds way back last spring. Now we've had a whole year. We're about to hit spring again. And you're still dealing with this something that probably took less than two minutes. How long does it take to come in? Nigga this, give me my donut. Nigga this, nigga this. I want a sprinkles. You gave me a chocolate. Nigga this, nigga this. Say it again. Nigga this. Pow. Didn't even take me 60 seconds. That's about how much time it took probably. For all that, you got to spend a whole year. And at the conclusion of that year, a white man, probably, I have to go back to look to see the judge, but a white judge, I suspect, to tell him, okay, you plead guilty. Now you are a convicted felon. You got to carry that for the rest of your life. Again, Mr. Pujols is 27 so hopefully you'll have a long life but that's a whole lot of decades you got to hang out as a convicted felon for killing a white man and they're going to conveniently forget that this was a child raping racist white man it's just going to be you are a convicted nigger felon who killed an elderly white man have fun getting a job with that have fun getting housing with that and he got two years house arrest and he got three years probation have fun with that I'll have a lot more to say about that tomorrow Point to all of this for years. I've said nothing else really matters with counter racism codification in the workplace. Number one, keeping your composure. If you don't do that, all the rest of this is trash. Racists, they love to name call. I've said for years you should have a code, be thinking, what do you do? It cannot include, I'm going upside this cracker's head. He's got one time to call me a nigger, coon, spear chucker, whatever. I'm going upside his head. Or I'm going to give him one for free and I'm going to let him know. That's your free. You do it again and see what happens. And it's 2022. We've seen this many, many, many times. If it sounds fun to you, and I mean, even in Florida, like they call themselves, we being progressive. If you're a felon, you can vote now. Wrong. Ron DeSantis, 2024, he told me you can vote if you have satisfied all your requirements, paid your restitution and all the rest of it. So have fun. If you think that's a cool trade off, socking a white co-worker who calls you an N word or something other than whatever, nigger, whatever it is, socking them. And then whatever consequences come from that, including you could be fired. I'm pretty sure he lost his job at Dunkin' Donuts. Not that that's a glamorous job or anything, but I don't think you get to keep giving out the sprinkles. And oh, I used to love donut holes. I don't think you get to keep giving out the donut holes if you've killed a person in the store. I could be wrong. Composure. Let's see. Uh, have an email. I should do the email first so that people can do suggestions. That way it'll be out at the beginning. People can process as we roll. Uh, so female investor wrote in probably about black girl magic. Let's see. Uh, hi, Gus. Apologies. Things have been hectic. Tell me about it. So I've not been able to write in for a while. 
I'd like some advice from you and the callers. I have a new manager who I've been working with for about a month, suspected racist. She managed to alarm me within her first week by pretty much telling me I should not think beyond the project I've been assigned, even though it makes no sense given the remit of the unit we are in. In the past, I would have gone guns blazing, pow, pow, metaphor, and it did cross my mind. But with the help and advice of family, I calmed down. Music to my ears. Love it. Calm down. That is an amazing metaphor. I'm just going to generally speak. It would depend on what you mean. Metaphors. Going in with guns blazing is generally not effective for non-white people, especially black people. They already think we have raping tendencies and are angry and intimidating. Calming down. Breathe. Get the brain computer and the logic rolling. We want to go in with logic blazing. Policy and procedure blazing. So calm down. I also work through things in my own mind that it's best to let things play out for a while. She will realize she cannot deliver without involving me. And I'm also not about to stop using my brain, i.e. thinking. What is really annoying and what I'd like advice on is how to deal with her prying. I've been on my code, learned from the cows, and very vague about my home life. I express my interest in health and well-being, no drinking, no sugary products, no Dunkin' Donuts, exercise, etc. I'm polite and respond to questions about my weekend, but try to say as little as possible. But this chick is not taking no for an answer. She has now scheduled time in the diary for us to talk about my plans for the weekend. She informed me the meetings are specifically to talk about non-work stuff. I was screaming in my head. The first one should have happened today, but I left early partly Oops, got off on her. I left early because I had a headache partly due to her micromanaging a task I was doing today to the extent she managed to confuse me and make things unnecessarily stressful. However, I already had a level of anxiety about the meetings she has scheduled to get in my business. I do intend to go to future meetings, but we'll see if I can get out of some as many as possible. I also intend to make up stuff and keep notes of what I tell her just in case. Other ideas, views are welcome. Help! Exclamation points, all caps. On another note, has Ukraine been discussed in people's workplaces? I bet it has. It has in mind. Apparently, there were tensions in other teams due to people taking offense. And see, this is why I said no chatting about politics in the workplace. Even if I worked with all black people, uh, there's another one I can borrow what I said last year we were doing OJ Simpson if I worked with my mom the late Johnny Cochran Neely Fuller Jr. I could see all those folks hanging out in the lunchroom they got vegan snacks that I love Fiji water hey Gus T come on over and chat it up we're talking about the situation in Ukraine what do you think about what's happening mm. 
What's going in my mind? These niggas are crazy. I will talk to you all later. Might even have to tell. I do not discuss politics in the workplace. Jesus. Ooh. Would think better of you and <laughs> keep on rolling. But I mean, I'm not discussing any of this. I don't know what is so many opportunities for someone to get mad about this. There's no opportunity. I can't imagine you having anything to say about what's happening in that part of the world. What I think about Putin. What should be done about these sanctions? What's happening at the border to the Negras? None of that is listed anywhere in my work duties. None of that is going to get me a raise, a bigger office, more days to work from home. Nada. I don't have any. If anything, I might if I got my earbuds on, I might turn them down so that I can hear what white people are saying. But that's an easy one. Oh, my God. Things have been so hectic. I haven't even been able to keep up with that. And right back to work. That would be an easy one. That would be my, in fact, that would be my response if the Ukraine situation stretched on for 20 years. I would be saying the same thing like, man, you've been saying that since back times when the Rona. We didn't got finished with that and everything. You still haven't caught up? No, 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 no. It's been, I never caught up from the Rona. I'm still behind. She continues, let's see what they said about Ukraine and her place. She said, I asked my manager. Oh, they got upset. I asked my manager why people were offended. She gave a vague response. Now, see there. When the topic was raised in team meetings, I know it was to do with stories of the racist mistreatment of non-white people fleeing the country. I don't know exactly what was said, but I'm not surprised. I have not been following the details of the war coverage in media. So it see there Woo, said like a genius. Uh, I have not been following the details of the war coverage in the media. So it was easy for me to act confused when my manager asked me about it directly in our one on one meeting. I love it when you have genuine confusion like Ooh, we I can do some authentic head stretching. I don't know nothing about that. Next question. That will remain my strategy going forward. I say keep that one. Uh, that would be what I would implement uh, in terms of the white woman and the micromanaging and not thinking. Or as a matter of fact, I'll fast forward to the, the meetings because it seemed like that was a big one. Meetings where this is I am demanding that you divulge information about things that have nothing to do with work. What do you do on your free times? You want to talk about boring these are going to be some of the most boring meetings possible. There are a lot of strategies. Other people have said that we've had folks who say they uh, decept. We talked, I said, I think I mentioned that last week. Some people say deception. I'm all right with that. Some people say I will just make up everything. I'll have a whole fake family and fake everything to talk about fake birthdays and fake family members, fake outings, fake everything. And then write, you know, make little notes so you can remember what lies you told. Might even make up some real outlandish things. It was a gang shooting in the neighborhood over the weekend. Five Negroes were killed, you know, anything. <laughs> I guess that might be in the paper or what have you, but anything. Just uh, the more niggerish you can think of, the better. They were out selling crack this weekend. My son got shot like, oh, my gosh, it's crazy. We've had some folks say that, and they said for them, that shut it down. I guess it confirmed some of what they thought about the nigger, and then they didn't have to do this anymore. I am on the, hey, this is just going to be boring. Slept, rested. I was so tired. I just rested. That was what I did my Saturday and Sunday. Make sure I'd be ready to roll for Monday. What'd you do with your weekend? 
that's going to be every weekend. I wouldn't care if we, you know, went to Vancouver, went to Alaska, shot an elk, vegan red velvet cake. None of that would be divulged. Just took it easy, ate a little food at the house, didn't go anywhere, just got some sleep, really caught up on my sleep, did a little laundry. That'd be another one of my popular ones. Tell about my laundry, did about five loads of laundry, made sure we got closet stocked full of fresh, dry clothes. Looking forward to that, not having to look at that overflowing hamper for the week. What'd you do? It would be all that sort of just absolutely nothing. I'm not talking about my family members. I'm not one of the, I'm not, ta- I don't have offspring, but I'm not talking about my children and what they did and their school projects, what they're doing in college and all that. No, this is where the boundary is. This is what I'm comfortable talking about. That's that. Uh, you can, everybody can kind of set their boundary, you know, wherever they want it to be at. But, and I think you could just say that. I think she just started there. You could just say that, that that's, I'm just not one of those open book uh, people. You know, I just don't do a whole lot of talking. I certainly don't do a whole lot of talking uh, about myself. Uh, just about being, you know, courteous, helpful, working out here. I don't mind uh, helping folks out when they need it. Let me know. But yeah, I'm just, that's never been me. I don't think anybody that you talk to who's known me all the way back to kindergarten, they are not going to say Gus is an open book. Like that's just the way that I would tell them, you know, she just started there. So it's not like she's been working there five years and you are just a chatty Kathy and at every uh, office hour and chat, chat, chat away about this and pulling out pictures. See, this is another one that works too. If everything about your conduct compounds and it's kind of a synergy, you don't have pictures and things up all over your desk of your family members. That's not, I didn't come to talk. Oh, look at Johnny and got new ones. This is, we don't do, I never do any of that. I'm never bringing in souvenirs from where we went or little knickknacks that we got from a restaurant that we tried this weekend out on vacation. And we took a little drive two hours out of town and had a, none of that. What, what, where did you go to school? Now that, you know, you can think of some of that might be on your resume. So, I mean, you you know, oh, okay, went there, studied this, blah, blah, blah. And again, I'm not getting a whole lot of details about that. Like, did you know such and such? How many times did you get drunk? And all of this, like, come on. Like, I'm not an open book. These are things that I'm willing to talk about. I'm generally just a very quiet person. Don't do a whole lot of talking about myself and what have you down to help out for the team just let me know how i can be uh, of assistance and that's the way that i would go i know like i said some folks they are all about or they will they are willing to employ deception i said my memory is not as good i'd be you know concerned that i would mess up and you know have told them i got a child named ronald and then she found, what ronald i come in forget one day and all the rest of it so i'm not that's not something that i employ but we do have some folks say oh yeah i have no problem doing it and that way i can make up all kinds of goofiness and that will sometimes stop them from wanting to pry a whole lot if folks have thoughts on uh what they would recommend uh, for the prying, you have a white person who's setting up like root or regular time. This is going to be scheduled now, I guess, maybe a biweekly basis or whatever, maybe twice a month or whatever. To We're going to sit down for 30 minutes or so and we'll just chat about our lives away from work. How would you deal with that? What would you talk about? And then having a white manager tell you, I don't want you to do too much thinking. Shut that old brain computer down. I'll, I'll handle the thinking, let you know what you want to worry about. But yeah, keep, keep your thinking to a minimum. How would you respond to that sort of situation? That would be one I would, I guess quickly, I would 
staying calm. I don't know that you need to say a whole lot. I might continue doing exactly what I'm doing. If she didn't specify like specific things that I am supposed to do or not do as a result of me not thinking, I would just continue doing exactly what I normally do as directed until I get specific details about what not to do. But if folks have suggestions, the number 720-716-7300, the code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Uh, the email untiljustice at gmail.com. I'll see uh, if you have make sure I get my switchboard. So if you have your own situation uh, that you would like to discuss, that is totally uh, acceptable. Uh, if you have suggestions uh, that you think might help uh, our female victim of racism in her situation, uh, you can share there. If you have both, uh, feel free to uh, provide both. And again, uh, the mask COVID regulations, I think that is supposed to be expiring in many areas if it hasn't already for here. I think this is the last day for us uh, in Seattle of having the indoor mask mandates and all of that so uh, you can kind of let us know as well uh, how are how is the work environment changed is has everyone thrown their mask in the trash are they all is everybody back all sitting sitting close together and hanging out high fives is back you know we bring lunch in and everybody piles in the cafeteria to eat together or is it still kind of let's be cautious let's wear a mask let's work from home <laughs> type of thing like what does it look like has it been uh rapid descent into uh chaos and just you know let's get back to the way it was or are people uh, kind of going slowly cautiously following the rules let's see we'll see uh, first few folks who dialed in with commentary let's see greetings to the host listeners and callers can I be heard a uh, privileged black male, young academic uh, in the New England area. Hope you're warm, sir. Yes, sir. Good to hear from you. I'm an invisible man. Like others before me, I'm learning that I owe my invisibility not to some biochemical accident or some supernatural cause, but rather to the unwillingness of others to notice me because I am black and I am male and I feel oppressed by my sex. From experience, I'm learning that my invisibility can serve as an advantage and a constant aggravation. I'm learning the effects of racism on the victim and the perpetrator. Educational scholars, policymakers, and teachers' preparation programs may convince the populace that they want more black male teachers, but this is an open contradiction that one would assume to be colorblind and defend whiteness indirectly, while simultaneously creating boundaries and perpetuating racial and ethnic segregation in the urban inner city school system. I have been attempting to teach for eight years and I have been angry for some time now. I sit with my thoughts and my anger grows in intensity. It grows in intervals. This anger may seem to subside, but it remains there haunting me. Yes, I am angry and I believe my anger is trying to communicate that I don't like this, stop. What I have experienced is not just, I don't want to be treated this way. Most of all, I have become angry with myself because of my submission. I do not doubt that I was set up to fail because those that classify themselves as white possess the power that I lack 
And even if I follow all of their rules, whites still possess the overwhelming power to alter my life. I have learned this from experience, not because it is constantly televised. I know this because I should be a certified educator now, and I'm not. My anger is my form of grief. Rather than just being destructive, I have decided to use my anger to foster a greater, connect, a greater connection to my environment. My idea struck me as I watched four black high school teenage boys strike another black boy to the ground, hitting him on the back of the head while he wasn't looking and proceeding to stomp in his skull. They were angry naturally and decided to use fighting as a coping mechanism, otherwise normal behavior. Get that dirty motherfucker. This is what he deserves. I stood there in shock because there was nothing I could do. Teachers began to close their doors as I shouted out for security, which took five minutes to arrive. I had two options. I could watch these boys skull stomp in the hallway outside of my classroom or behave like my colleagues and close my door. I decided the latter. It was at this moment that I thought about the trauma of my childhood. At my workplace, a black male student getting stomped out is not a random occurrence. Skull stomping happens at all happens all of the time. Students usually rush from other classrooms to record it to be the first to upload it to Facebook. My other colleagues watch these fights in their free time. Upon hiring, I was told by the school administration that these things happen. I am never given a lesson plan, so I create my own. I'm expected to give every student a passing grade regardless of effort or attendance. I was hired not to teach black teens, but to babysit and falsify grades. Students are expected to use their devices to access the online platform to participate in this class. Students are expected to watch videos and answer questions. Genuine lesson engagement does not happen. Instead, there is a purposeful confusion that lacks order. Students leave the school during my class to buy bacon, egg, and cheese sandwiches and self-medicate with marijuana. Then they sneak back into my class so they can both record and watch TikTok videos during class time, standing up, walking around with no headphones, and the volume turned up to the highest setting. Often, while I'm going over instructions to an assignment, Students will stand, place their phones against the chalkboard, and record themselves dancing to the latest dance trend. This behavior seems to be entirely acceptable for academic administrators. Both my parents never graduated high school. I can't and do not talk to them, and I am teaching in the same classrooms where my mother learned, met my father, and decided to give birth to me at 16. This realization made me ask myself, why am I here? What am I doing? Two years and four months ago, after repeatedly failing Praxis 5039, which prohibited me from participating in my student practicum placement examination and graduating on time, I began working at the location where I now teach. I took over for a black teacher who had me teach the crucible, whose major things focus on the destructive power of lies, the importance of reputation, hysteria, and corruption. The crucible serves as a historical drama and it offers an emphasis on the symbolism behind being black and invisible and being white in America. I had a class of all black males. I decided this would be an excellent opportunity to teach these students about Paul Roberson. I wanted to challenge them to draw direct or implied parallels between the Salem witch trials, the Red Summer, and the FBI black identity extremism. 
it took a few weeks to view Paul Robertson's Here I Stand documentary and inside the FBI hunt for black identity extremism and to read the crucible. I instructed my students to indicate any references or examples they could find that relate to hysteria or hysterical behavior, leading to my first unplanned discussion of what racism, white supremacy is and how it operates. This discussion was life-changing because I was under the impression that I had finally found my calling. My students informed me every day that my class was worthwhile and was the most they had ever learned. They were unhappy that their teacher was returning. A few weeks after this, these young men requested that their teacher call me and and insist that I attend their graduation. Teaching at this particular particular location was one of the best experiences of my life, and I decided not to give up on trying to pass the practice 5039 so I could finally begin my student practice placement so I could teach and be compensated accordingly. One year and six months after attending the academic portion of the teacher preparation program, I finally passed the practice after six attempts. Now I could begin the final process to become a teacher and the student practicum placement, a process that took three years instead of just a year. This last step will require me to work with no pay for an entire year. I first began my student practicum placement by teaching high school students with a class size of eight. My evaluator abruptly changed my assignment in the middle of the school year because my cooperating teacher and evaluator could not get along and would argue. Two white women. I feel my evaluator purposely sabotaged me because My evaluator changed my assignment from high school to middle school for my final observation. I was then not given enough notice to change the lesson plan for a smaller age group. Instead, I had to teach my new cooperating teacher's lessons, which I could never do correctly, according to her. I would later find out that she was best friends with my evaluator. Also, I turned down another white teacher, her friend, for a date. After passing the first two observations with a high school class, I failed my final observation and found myself back at square one. I'm a pl- I, I am in a place I don't want to be, and I am angry. I now have become a living example of racial boundaries of inequality. I am a living statistic. I am not comfortable feeling this way. I couldn't take this anymore, so I decided to remember when I loved to teach and what I was teaching. I decided to teach, so I began to talk about the school-to-prison pipeline. I used Vox, the school-to-prison pipeline, explained then as explained then as a class. We watched a documentary entitled uh, Project Liberty, the school-to-prison pipeline that addressed the schools in New York. The lesson generated loads of responses, and we had a class discussion using a Venn diagram on the similarities between schools and prisons. At the end of one of my classes, I always have a student say that this seems to be designed or planned. This later led me to discuss the 13th Amendment and prison slavery. I began each class asking students to define the word accept and use it in a sentence for me. A sentence for me. Next, I would display the 13th Amendment on the board and I would ask the students, based on their understanding of the definition, whether they believe slavery was abolished or not. Students would reply that slavery continues. We watched parts of the film until a student requested that I properly define Jim Crow. I shared the definition and told them stories that my grandfather told me growing up in Jesus, Alabama, how he would explain, how, how he would uh 
how he would have to go on the street and bow his head if a white person was walking down the sidewalk and be sure not to look them in the eye. This discussion led to the Jim Crow Museum and Artifacts. I share the website with my students and we watched and discussed black baseball dodgers. This led to a discussion and film analysis of minstrel shows for clarification and context of the class who analyzed Chicken Watts Negro Minstrel Show, a Step and Fetch It Lazy Richard video, the Duncan Sisters Minstrel Show, Little Black Sambo, a scene from Cold Black and the Seven Dwarfs. We ended class with us watching Judy Garland singing in blackface. I began the next class reviewing films we had watched previously. After reviewing, I asked students if they would ever learn this. Should educators include these stories within their lessons plans? An overwhelming majority of my students felt this needed to be discussed and taught. They thanked me for doing so. I then took the time to explain critical race theory by Derrick Bell and intersectionality. This led me into a discussion on Tommy Curry's The Man Not and how Black men are not considered to be men within the system of racism, white supremacy. I kept getting asked, who's that little boy on the cover of The Man Not? I had to explain the story, story of George Stenning. Later on, we watched the current movie about George Stenning's uh, George electric lynching. The students were excited about learning about the books I had read. I decided to bring in books from my library. I brought Without Sanctuary, Lynching Photography in America, The ISIS Papers, Lies My Teacher Told Me, Deadly Monopolies, A Terrible Thing to Waste, Environmental Racism and Assault on American Mind, The Delectable Negro, and Medical Apartheid. My reasoning for bringing in the books was to show students where I got my information and where they could find it. Daily, I tried to reinforce how you must always read because what someone tells you might be incorrect. All of my students kept requesting that I bring back in the book without sanctuary. So later on, I decided to purchase the film lynching postcards and we discussed lynching past and present. To date, as a class, we have listened to part of an episode of The Cows with John Potash, a lecture by Dr. Francis Press Wilson, and we have also watched Hidden Colors 1, 2, and 3. Currently, we are watching The American Legacy of White Supremacy featuring Dr. Wilson's last appearance on film. We have discussed cannibalism and buckbreaking. I was asked why I don't have children, and I decided to share Millie Fuller Jr.'s 200 questions with my students. I try to stay under the radar by not having conversations with my colleagues. We are supposed to stand in the hallway, but I don't because of the pandemic. I was recently stopped in the hallway and congratulated by a white teacher because a student wrote a poem about the school to prison pipeline. The teacher later labeled the poem as extraordinary. I pretended not to know what he was talking about and and thanked him for this information. I have become a very popular educator, so I remain cautious. I never assign any readings because, believe it or not, most of my 11th and 12th grade students read at a second grade reading level. Any information regarding what I'm, what I'm teaching, I will plug in personally on their laptops. I now have students I don't recognize stopping by my class before class starts to get advice. One particular student was upset that his teacher took away his phone during the test. He states that this treatment was unjust because he knows he was in the wrong by having his phone out during the test and his test was taken away. He argued that two other female students had their phones out and that the educator was not bothered by it. 
The student informed me that he waited until the last two minutes of class to address the problem instead of making a big deal about it during the testing period. After the class, the student informed me that his professor told him that he did not see the other girls with their phones out and refused to give the student another opportunity to retake his test. The student said he felt the teacher was not truthful, so he became irate. The white male teacher now states that he fears for his life, so the administration has changed the student's classes. The student informs me that he has talked to the principal and realizes he was in the wrong because he got irate. The student states that he still feels unheard, and he says that he is being punished for it. The black male student, I don't know, says, he stopped by my class because he feels that he can talk to me. I told him he must first control his emotions and seek, guide, seek a guidance counselor out at the school. He responded that he doesn't like talking to white women because they immediately label him. I was caught off guard and told him that instead of getting emotional, he must think critically and logically first. I explained to him that the people with the power operate off of confusion, deception, and manipulation. He must not allow people to make him emotional because that prevents critical thought that only persuades him to take the wrong action resulting in his failure. I address the importance of talking about his problems with guidance counselors because they are be better situated to provide solutions. I also shared my story on how I was homeless during high school and no one knew it. I informed him that it wasn't until a white woman educator belittled me in high, belittled me in high school that I felt that I couldn't take it anymore and I broke down and sought help. Though I was suffering from abuse, there was nothing the school to, could do about it because I was 18 and about to graduate. Their words, not mine. I informed him that seeking help was the only way I could pay for books in university, essentially because the school put me in touch with a wealthy white woman who helped me sometimes pay for books. Currently, I am updating my resume and applying for other employment opportunities. I will no longer pursue teaching. Thank you, Gus, for all the work you do in the yoga retreat. Thank you, Nine Crimson Grad, for your insistence that I write all of this down. That's all for now. Hmm. Privileged, black male, young academic. Wow. Much obliged for uh, sharing, sir. Uh, Glad you were able to write all of that down. Kudos for non-Clemson grad uh, for encouraging that. Might even be able to write a book to kind of document your experience. I think it's one thing to kind of get reports where they say, yeah, we have like, you know, five black male teachers in the entire United States. Like it's one thing to hear like it's no black male teachers, but it's another thing like to hear, hey, I'm a black male privileged but a black male I'm trying to be an educator have been trying you know earnestly for a long time and this has been my experience this may be representative of why we don't have black male teachers system of white supremacy individuals classified as white don't want black male teachers just make it plain but yeah that might be something to a writing project um, to kind of catalog all that, both your treatment and, and the students and even 
probably won't be many, but if there are any other black males that you've encountered along your way who are trying to be educators, like uh, maybe what you've seen there as well. But I think that would be the testing, all of it, all of it. I think that would be remarkable um, to document. Uh, shout to Ralph, Ell- uh, Ralph Ellison, Invisible Man. Will be grand maybe if uh, our Bay Area mom, if she shares maybe afterwards or close proximity to kind of hear from two different black educators different parts of the world to hear how many similarities we hear with regards to what they're seeing in the classroom because they're not teaching they're not teaching in the same state they're not teaching in the same time zone he's next to the Atlantic Ocean she's next to the Pacific Ocean how many similarities do we hear in what's happening to these black children He said the falsifying grades. I feel like that's been themed for the week. Like everything is fake, 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 fake. I even said that with the man in the high castle. I said some things, even though they are fake, they are still harmful. I think that would apply for fake grades. Like it might sound cool to get a fake A, but man, that's one. I can tell you right there. Being in the 11th grade and you read at a third grade level. A fake a in English is pretty lethal. Even a fake B, if you are in English at a high school and you're reading at a second grade level, like any grade for English other than an F is a fake grade and a lethal one. Not surprising, not surprising, pretty widespread reading more important than watching television. Uh, angry black male heard that one he's an angry black male different perspective in saying that he feels angry from being mistreated as a black male lots of us in this position and it's lots to be angry about that's why I said I think it would be great to write all of this because uh, that can that frustration can really build up that can have health implications for a lot of us. So I think that's important too to find constructive, uh, safe outlets uh, to do with that anger and even trying to mitigate some of the sources for that anger, which can be very, very difficult in the system of white supremacy. But that is super important because that can be a, a serious health problem is a serious health problem. Uh, the speaking of anger. Man, those young people, he said it, they're angry. They might have some of the exact same frustrations, just can't articulate it and, you know, don't have the vocabulary, don't have the the years of experience yet to be able to grasp like, oh, this is what's happening and this is all deliberate and this is what they're doing to us. They don't want black male teachers. They don't want us here as students either, apparently, setting us up for our orange jumpsuit visiting room, right? And he says they're going out, some of the black male students, and they skull stompings. And these are so widespread, they inform the staff that these are going to happen. The staff response is to, ah, they're going to stomp the nigger. I'll go close my door. Y'all, do your nigger activities later on. We're going to go inside and learn. Or the students, they run out with the phone. Ooh, get this on TikTok, get Instagram, get me some. Pick up a few thousand followers. Look at that. Stomped him out. Stomped him out. Oh, got it. That's a good one. That's a good one. 
brain trashing starting at a very young age this is the value of black life this is what black people do and we should be excited that let's try to stop that. i mean that's what children do but i mean hey skull stompings you kill somebody I talk about brain damage all the time like that's serious like really and then the the people in charge don't even try to stop this hey what are you gonna do Negroes do the skull stomping that's that's black culture close it or we go in and teach little white children disgraceful uh, and again he's talked about 200 questions man you don't have a code about the bedroom activity playing around with sex Dr. Welsing talked about that all the time I am sure these black children, the ones that are doing the skull stomping and the ones that are having their skull stomped, I'm sure. Oh, every time those Jordans come crashing down on my face. Oh, I love you. My attempted black parents. Woo. Phenomenal job. I mean, wow. You really planned this out. Brilliant effort. Thought about my academic schedule what my school, my education was going to look like for the first 10, 15 years of my life. Thank you so much for taking all that seriously and putting in all that work before conception so that I, oh, oh, stomped on me again, stomped on me again. feel like I'm about to black out. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And as I said, the ones that are doing the stomping, same thing. Like, this is exactly how I envisioned my childhood development, stomping on other black people, black children black children their brain computers despite all of that seeming like they don't exactly uh, like they can function they can process right he said he brought in all this contraband material uh, and they didn't wig out like what what is that George Stinney Dr. Curry what is that ISIS papers what is that get that out of here delectable negro that's not what he said they had questions who is that George Stinney guy which is logical hey he's a child my age who is that who is that then, unfortunately, you got to explain something. Oh, this is George Denny. Mm. South Carolina, got to love it. That'll be coming back on the program in a couple of days, but got to love it. Talked about that. Like, if you were getting information like that, you may be way more informed, engaged in your learning, but then we wouldn't have the school to prison pipeline. You might not be doing skull stomping, might not have a system of white supremacy. So, yeah. Uh, let's see. Anything else? Uh, when he said, they uh, did the poem, I guess, about the school to prison pipeline. And I guess the white educator came out and said, oh, he wrote this poem. Thought it was great. I thought she was going to say, he wrote this poem. I thought it's subversive. I thought that was the word that she was going to be like, I'm going to report him and you I'm around here writing all this. We got some shenanigans. That's not on the syllabus. It shouldn't be talking about to kill a mockingbird. And the rest of this, none of this stuff is on the syllabus. Uh, let's see. Anything else? Uh, da, 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 da. We had another white person saying that they're afraid. That's why I say you got to have your composure. Even if you are a black child, oh my God, he is about to rape and kill everyone in the building. I'm afraid for my life. They don't move this child because he is being shafted with regards to his education. No, 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 no. They move this child because this white adult man who probably has a concealed carry permit, firearm, all the rest of it. He is afraid for his life. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Again, I am certain this young black male. Oh, 
I love my parents. Thank you. Good looking out. Thank you. They think of me. Not only do I have reaping tendencies and they took my phone. Now I'm like some sort of walking beast killer. He's going to grab a pencil and stab my eyeball out. Like He could grab me any moment. Like you've got to lock him up right now. Thanks. Thanks, Mom and Dad. I, I really appreciate it. You really put a lot of forethought into sending me to this school. You guys are the best. Lots to consider before you even get to conception. Unless all of this sounds like what you want for your child. Let's see if we can do it correctly. Uh, Bay Area mom. So we go coast to coast. Bay Area mom. Are you there too? Thank you. Um, Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Okay, great. Thank you. Thanks for taking my call. Greetings to you and everyone participating in the program. Oh, dear. Okay. Brain shift. Um, oh, dear. Sorry that that's your teaching experience. Um, but I appreciate that you did what you could with what you could while, you know, you're, you're at work. I, I love it, uh, especially teaching them as much as you can and then helping the ones that need the most help. Um, yeah, so... The black males at all four schools that I go to are angry. And I'm from elementary to junior high. So um, I'd say second grade <laughs> to eighth grade, just so far, right? Um, I look at them from a distance, and you can tell they're labeled as aggressive. And I can just see if no one intervenes the direction they'll go. Um, as far as uh, education, <laughs> they're not necessarily educating all the children. The ones who can keep up, they can keep up. The ones who can't, no child left behind. Um if you don't rear your children to be able to be independent and learn on their own, I had to do that with my son. Um, they'll get lost, especially with the um, class sizes. I do special needs, but sometimes I'm in and I'm in um, regular um, education classes. Um, I have a, a black male in regular education, and um, it's hard. Uh, as far as the teachers, they do act as if the children, oh. You know, they're they're just such threats. Um, they are treated like many um rapists, uh assaulters, uh burglars, um killers. Can't get right. That's that's just and, and you can tell uh where I'm at, I'm in the sundown town, so most of the instructors are Caucasian. Um predominantly women. Some of the older uh, instructors uh, are males and they probably shifted into different positions versus being teachers. Some just like being teachers because it's easy, especially with the curriculum now because everything, like the gentleman stated before, they're on the internet. Um, They don't care. (laughs) You know, you can get attached to some and you, you hope for the best, 
but they don't just whoosh, throw all the, the paycheck and just, you know, whatever your dream is of being a teacher, because most people, they the, when they become a teacher, they can say, oh, well, when I was in third grade, I wanted to be a teacher. So whatever their dream classroom, whatever, however they thought they were going to do it, that's how it's done. Um, yeah, it's not a lot of black instructors. Uh, definitely not a lot of male instructors, and that's because of him. But they don't want you to do that with the males. You can't structure them. you got to kill them before they grow, destroy their image and self-worth at least by sixth grade, junior high at the most. So, um, yeah. Uh, my workplace racism. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I got a chance to work with the little boy this week, the brown, the, the, the little uh, black boy at the school um, that I do in the morning when he was replaced when I was typing his notes. So he was, I was, Quietly replaced, <laughs> and uh, they put uh, I thought a little white lady in there. Um, so I was going to save the little white boy so he doesn't turn out anything like a black boy. So he had his appendix removed um, this week, so he wasn't there. So I went to the black boy's class. I just did it on my own. I didn't ask because my original client is the black boy. Um, there was no the white lady wasn't there, but. She came maybe an hour afterwards. So she comes in. She's <laughs> a little uh, girl that she does, works with or whatever. I don't even, I still don't know who this lady is. So the little girl that she prefers uh, looks like she could speak another language, maybe Spanish or something, who this little girl is. And um, she prefers her. And, of course, the little black boy is her her sidekick. Um their soul, just from the time that I've been gone since I've been removed from him, he's totally dependent on this little girl. So he even wants to sit by the little girl. He got to sit by her. It's awful. Um, <clears throat> he knows he's our flunky, and he's treated accordingly. And um, he kind of sees, I'm going to sit back here. So we go to art. He's going to sit back there with her. Uh, our teacher said he wanted him to sit up in the front. She already has to deal with this stuff. However often she has to deal with it, she already knows that's not a good recipe already. But the Caucasian lady has them sitting next to each other so she can terrorize them um, all while they're sitting there and make this other little girl feel comfortable. So uh, this lady said, you know, sit back here. He's, no. So she's like, no, come sit up here. No. So I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I need you. She needs you to sit right here. That's why she said sit up here because that's what she wants to do up here. All this noise is fine. So he has his back completely turned to the teacher because ah, cause he's going to look at this little girl because that's just how um, codependent he is on her in his class. Oh, awful combination. Uh, so this little girl, she fidgets, she plays around, she flip flops like a seal, she's all over the place. She's doing anything other. She is just all over the place in real time. It's I've never, oh dear, she's a jumping being. She's, she's all over the place. She'll, be, she'll, be the she'll pass gas, it's funny, then here he goes chiming in, no, 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 no. So now he's mad, he doesn't want to listen. So uh, it's about three of them that probably need uh, an extra push. Um, so I asked the little boy, uh, do you want to... Um, I said, do they ever call your mom? 
He said, what? I said, do ever, they ever call your mom? He said, no. I said, well, I am. He said, you don't know my mom. I said, like, yes, I do. Fine. So he turned around. And they guess these kids have these, like, I don't know if you guys, well, you got to remember, the Beanie Babies. So now these kids, I don't know, they must have recycled Beanie Babies. So now that's what's hot in the streets. So, um, these kids have these Beanie Babies. So he had one and another little girl had one. So I had to take both of them because I need you to follow, listen to the instructions so you can get the lesson. Another issue is the children don't have the patience enough to listen to the instruction and follow it in a timely fashion at all. It's, it's, I've never seen anything like it. The attention span like this. Do you ask them to remember anything? Nope. Keep them just, they can't even sit for a five-minute video. All over the place, sitting in the front, standing on tables. So um, I was able to <laughs> keep him a little mad at me, but I was able to keep him in line by him thinking that it's possible that I could <laughs> know his mama. <laughs> so um, uh, 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 what I got from him today, so he had a test. So the tension is all all over the place. The tension span all over the place. It's awful because I just I don't know what's going to happen if nobody does anything. And that's why you have to have a concrete plan when you're having these children. And it doesn't seem like not picking on anybody. But it doesn't seem like the parents had one. Um, I'm asking him because it's, it's going to be a test on this information. I was there three days, but not all day. I leave at ten. So, like, okay, what's this? What's it? You know, so she's just the teacher's asking me just to have him follow directions. Now, the first day I had to read the chapters to him. He wasn't paying attention to nothing. Then I got this little girl because her the Caucasian lady never came back to that class, <laughs> but she was able to pop in on art and pop in at PE and totally disrupt everything. Um, she uh. So now she's looking at me like, dang, I might have to ask you for some help. Hey, can you help me too? <laughs> so, okay. But her help was typing the information for her. That's what she really wanted me to do because that's what the white lady does. She'll get to typing away like she's her uh, secretary. Okay, now what else? And so that's what the little boy wants me to do too. But I was making him do his own work. I'm like, no, it's right here. It's right here in the book. Do this. Just write this down. Ah. Oh. I'm like, man, you got this. You could do this. It's nothing. You could do this. Just breathe, breathe. You could do this. So he did it. Even with the test, I had to take him outside, but he finished the test. It was hard. So he's like, I don't know. I'm so stupid. I can't remember. Oh, I hate myself. I'm like, wait a minute. Hey, no, you're not stupid. I am stupid. I hate myself. I'm so, I can't even remember. I hate I'm not yelling at you. I'm just, I hate that I can't remember nothing. And I just, oh, that's so frustrated. So I got him through the test. I had to, do a little extra, and I'm glad the black teacher is black, so she's working with me because I had to tell her I, I don't want him to see him um, go down a um, destructive spiral. And so she knows that I'm there to truly help, so she'll try to work with him too. And she did rearrange the class around a bit so it looks like a, a he's not stuck in a circle because before he was in groups, table groups. He's of no value to a table. He can't, he can't support the table, but if he's separated and everybody else is separated, he doesn't feel excluded, and he might can keep up or kind of blend in. Um, so I had to take a look. So teacher asked me after recess, could I take the little girl out 
and uh, have her finish her test. So I was like, sure. And the little girl like, sure. Got water in my mouth. I'm like, girl. And she had to walk halfway across the school to go spit the water out of the grass and she come back. Like, I was going to get to typing. Nope. I don't know. I said, so what? What? I do the questions as a test. Well, I don't know. What you mean you don't know? You were just sitting in there. I was outside all the time. What you mean you don't know? I don't know. You don't know? I don't know. I'm like, look, what is the question? I don't know. I'm like, look, read this stuff. What do you remember? We just, I read, you were sitting next to me on Wednesday when I read the uh, chapter eight and nine. I don't know. So I had to figure out a way to jog her little memory so she could talk. She's like, well, since I typed, <laughs> she's going to tell me, since I typed in these two, can you type the rest? I said, no, this is a test. It's, like, it's not a regular assignment. It's a test, so you got to do it. So she did it. Yay, go in the class. But um, my instructors, last one, last one, the Caucasian teacher that yells at the kids. So um, she yelled at me last week because she, she's not there this week, but she yelled at me last week because she said, okay, the little girl needs her water. Her mom wants her to drink plenty of water all day, so I need you to. Make sure you two black girls, I need you two black girls to make sure she gets her water so you can probably put it on her desk. Just make sure she gets all her water because her mother was very upset that the day this black girl wasn't there, she got sent home because she was dehydrated. So I need her to have plenty of water. You guys understand? I don't understand. I don't even know. I'm, I'm not even interested. So, and that's just how I look. That's probably what I said. She went back to the class. So, then she tells about five to recess to remind me of this water chore. And I was like, I don't know what you want me to do. <laughs> so she said, I told you what I want you to do. I want you to give her her water. It's in her backpack. That's what I want you to do. I told you already. Make sure she gets plenty of water because her mother said she needs water. I said, I don't know what you want me to do. I don't even understand any of this. I don't know what you want me to do. So I guess she got mad at some And then she also wanted me to watch that black predator because he's on the loose. And she told my supervisor that she needs me to stay at the school during my lunch until the kids get out of lunch. No regard to the fact that I have to go to a totally different school after my lunch and work with those children who are in junior high school. So, uh, of course, the way the universe works. Thank you. She's not there this week because after all that growling and grumbling and yelling and carrying on, uh, oh, she also told the teacher she needed to talk to her because she wanted to make sure they was on one accord, the uh, black uh, paraeducator. And I said, hey, what did she talk to you about? And she said she didn't want to tell me because it was about me and I might get mad. I was like, ah, oh, it's no big deal. I'm not tripping. You ain't got to tell me and I'm not going to get mad. But my insubordination is working her nerves. But anyway, over the weekend, her behind must have been asleep, thinking about how she could kill me and the other black one, particularly me. And her CPAP machine fell on her head and <laughs> she went to the doctor. That's not funny. So she went to the doctor and the doctor took her off for two weeks. So I totally rearranged her class and I finished rearranging the class and the board and everything. Uh, next week, so when she gets back the week after, she can see my fancy work and be mad and 
whatever people do after that. And I'm never afraid to lose my job. So, uh, yeah. Workplace racism. Thank you for taking my call. I'm done. What what sort of machine uh, knocked her upside the head? What did you say? A what is that? The seat, the seat, the seat. That little one when you can't when you can't breathe. That one. I the guess. Machine. Mm-hmm. What is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Whew, what they say: the Lord works in mysterious ways. Mm, mm, mm. Well. Much obliged, uh, Bay Area Mana. I told folks who are attentive, like, look for similarities, right? So she gave us the big one up front, angry. Little boys are angry. I would be too. All of this, you know. Even from, I would have still been mad from the one from last week's calling me a liar and you put all of that I'd have been mad about but you know whatever um, again planning for your offspring if you're on attempted black paint we're thinking about conceiving oh is this what we want for our child that's what you should be thinking like failing to plan for our child's academic development this is what white people have planned they spent like the last whatever number you want to hang on it like we spent the last hundred years making sure this is exactly what your child gets California to Vermont and beyond at minimum at minimum 10 months that way you got a month before conception to really think but I mean really it should be way before that diet all of that Now, the uh, she says she's being insubordinate. And then I'm going to talk to they do that all the time. They have like uh, if it's one white supervisor and they have like three non-white people that work under them, uh, they will see if they can instigate conflict between them and that sort of thing. That's why you have to know who is to blame for all of this. She goes and talks to the other uh, blacks there and she said, hey, probably trying to get rid of both of y'all goes talks to the black lady what did she talk to you about as uh, you know she was talking about you i can't even get into all that already knew that that's what she does <laughs> that's what they that's why that's in the 10 stops about no gossiping oh especially on the job it's like nobody does more gossiping and rumor spreading than individuals classified as white generally white women although white men do a lot of that too i'm certainly not uh ignoring them in all this white people period do a whole lot of god soon as you leave all of that so uh, same thing with composure that's one where you also don't want to I heard you was talking about it and such and such and such you say it to my face and they were doing that from the time you put your application in uh, let's see the forgetting your man the neglect of self that's why I say you have to have your like priority in terms of your safety in a work environment and all of that you have to really take charge of that yourself because oh my goodness <laughs> forget your lunch like wait a minute 
I got to go to a whole nother school. Like, forget the rest of my work day, even if I was just going to stay on this campus and work, you know, in your classroom or wherever else. Like, I got to go to a whole nother location. What do you mean forget my lunch? I'm saying that sort of attitude is rampant with black people, period, in the workplace, but especially like academic settings like this. Total disregard. Like for your planning time, self-care, bathroom time. I talked about that myself. Like I used to get in trouble. Like I'm just trying to go to the bathroom. I'm going to be in this classroom from nine until three this afternoon, maybe even later than that. Might not get a lunch break. Can I just go to the bathroom? Mm. Toxic blackmail. Mm. Speaking of toxic, they go out to lunch. Now you got two tasks. Now you got to be water. You got to be the water winch. Make sure that she has her water every hour or whatever it is, uh, whatever in her backpack or all that. Make sure you drink. Incidentally, why isn't it for all the students as opposed to milk? All that other nonsense. Why isn't everybody drinking more water? That is that. I mean, that is dangerous. We talked about everything else in terms of malnutrition and Oreo cookies, sodas, sugar, all that nonsense that they eat in the school. And then they'll play around and give some uh, uh, fruit snacks <laughs> and even give you an orange right, or a, a, a peach, anything like that They're in California. So they got all kinds of fruit produce and everything. Uh, they got to come in and she's in Bay Area. So they got like farmers market on every other corner all the way. Uh, San Francisco, Berkeley, Oakland, Hayward. Uh, you could go and get all kinds of yumminess, anything you want. They could be eating delicious, organic grown right here nah and then on top of that dehydrated are you serious your brain computer does not work well when you are dehydrated like you want to talk about somebody blew it and accuse me of being a liar like you can't even make sure that we get enough water in our system to not get home and be dehydrated that's a disgrace that that right there uh school to prison pipeline i mean anybody if you've been dehydrated get dehydrated and then sit down and okay we're going to give you an exam see how well you do anyway and then they give you some milk <laughs> what have you or a soda much less you're dehydrated here yeah get get this pepsi yeah 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 get that in you another thing to think about with your child diet many reasons to you know avoid the whole school thing like get them filled with a whole lot of junk food 15,000 ham and cheese sandwiches and all the rest of it that she was talking about you know and have them dehydrated they can't even get a glass of water anywho uh, so we gotta now I gotta go that's my task <laughs> going what digging her backpack and do what that and watch you know our young rapist that's what you're supposed to be doing for recess even imagine that like i'm supposed to be going out and having fun for recess it's not a just general hey children can be reckless and you know they have spats and that sort of thing we'll keep an eye on everybody no 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 just him imagine that like good lord every time i move it seems like they're ready to come and fuss at me about something like man thanks mom and dad i appreciate this greatest experience of my young life having a warden look over me at eight because I'm a predator with raping tendencies 
Good looking. Appreciate y'all. Let's see. Love it. Just it seems just so much of uh, kind of both of what we heard. That's what I said. I kind of pay attention to see what we see in terms of similarities from young academic and our Bay Area mom. Like this is deliberately unplanned. Like where she talked, she didn't say it today, but where she's talked about like them having uh, the, what is it, the, the, uh, the read to yourself, you know, that sort of nonsense set up to fail and or just there is no plan like we're just kind of whatever going along that's what I'm saying like nothing these are supposed to be like special needs students like as opposed to them yeah we're gonna go above and yeah 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 <laughs> it's a it's a test time all right we're gonna get ready to do our test yeah can you type it for me like what what can you type are you serious they don't do that for the regular students. Can you type it for me? Like you see, like you all do even less. You're way behind the other students and you do even less. My God. And again, all of this is by design. I probably wouldn't want to type or do a whole lot of work either if they thought I was going to rape somebody every five seconds and I was dehydrated and you stuffed me full of Oreo cookies and chocolate milk. I probably would not be in the best spirit to do some learning either and then you got this white woman yelling at him, liar and you blew it and all that like yeah yeah anywho it will be phenomenal when she gets back in two weeks after you all have I mean what that could be amazing like two weeks is a really long time for children like they experience I mean it's just I could be wrong but I think younger people like they they experience a day like oh my gosh it's a whole lifetime uh, so two weeks is a huge amount of time for them to have like maybe structure and the absence of a direct race soldier have an immediate impact over their learning experience like wow they could really have a joyful time like a informative time over the next two weeks and then it'll be interesting to see her behavior when she gets back and see like you change things around and the students might be doing better and all that like oh my god it'll be a whole new season <laughs> right they'll have moved the clocks for it it'll be like a a new universe when she gets back to the class like oh my god i'm gonna kill her that nigga both of you she'll blame both of y'all you more primarily but both of you all will be to blame vengeance insubordinates that'll be it insubordinates mm. Much obliged, Bay Area mom. Independent thing or independent learning, very important. Hopefully, when you do your conception, you'll have planned things out well in advance and you'll have a great academic institution for your child, or you're doing homeschooling or a combination or whatever. But that will be a component of that process of learning for yourself. And it's so easy now. You can whip out your phone and get online, there's so many resources learning on your own so you don't have to be on someone being there to hold your hand and have a lesson plan and all this that hey I know how to research to find information I have a thirst for being curious and learning very important to pass that on to young black children especially black males given what we've heard and even maybe talk to your child and see how they feel about school make sure you're doing that on a regular basis because i mean wow 
if I, any of these children that we've, you know, heard about the skull stompings, you know, I'm sleepy, any of them, you know, uh, what, what is your, how do you feel, you know, about this teacher? All of, how do you feel about your teachers? How do you feel about this school, you know, classmates that you're all of that, you know, talking, especially given what we've experienced the last two years. Have those conversations with your child like regularly and where you can look in their face and really pick up on their nonverbals when you're talking about these teachers and the school and all of that. If they're there, right? Much obliged, Bay Area Mom. Number again, 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Email is untiljustice at gmail.com. Before I nab other folks who dialed in, uh, I spoke with B. She emailed me. Uh, We were text ended up uh she did a interview for a new job uh whoopee got through first round she made it on to the i guess reduced round of two uh if anyone has any tips uh suggestions uh that they would recommend i guess for b specifically and or folks in general as they're moving through the employment process job application process if there's specific questions that you would ask, I would definitely inquire about the COVID-19 situation, like what's their policy currently in the workplace. And since it's evolving, like where does it seem like that policy is going moving forward? That way you can inquire about, you know, if it's a hybrid situation, are you going to be able to work from home? What's the protocol? If someone tests positives, like uh, tests positive for COVID-19 or what have you, I would try to get as much clarity about all of that well in advance. So there's no confusion. And if you can manipulate things to your side, great. And I would also also uh, obligatory. You got to ask about uh, sexual harassment in the workplace because that is so widespread. And I think that is a great one. You asking about that question while you're going through the hiring process. I think that sends a signal right there. Oh, wow. We got a serious candidate. They're about rules, proper behavior in the workplace. This shouldn't be a problem for them. And they will be expecting correct behavior like this is not a nigger to try like I think that's a great flag to send up metaphor great signal to send out at the very beginning don't even think about it with all that like bam policy and procedure says this this is what to do boom 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 this is how you all handle that okay good to know but if any folks have questions um, that they would recommend suggest uh, that be asked uh, or things that she consider as she's kind of moving through the interview process uh, and or if you just want to send her some well wishes and all of that, uh, hoping that she gets a, a great improvement over her current work situation with a uh, enormous salary boost. Uh, let's see. Star six one. Other folks who dialed in with a hand up if you have and forgot we had suggestions for our caller who wrote in. Uh, so she said she had a white manager, white woman. Uh, who was micromanaging and all that but specifically she was calling meetings on like a regular basis where they're supposed to have like a 30 minute conversation about non-work related activities what did you what are you going to do this weekend uh what do you do on your free time that type of a thing where do you hang out at uh how would you all handle this would you like lie would you fabricate you know whatever stories to tell uh would you you know 
just be truthful? Would you try, hey, I don't talk about all that. How would you uh, respond to all of that? And then also she said that this white woman told her, don't do too much thinking. I do the thinking around here, gal. You just do as told. How would you handle all that as well? If you have any suggestions, that would be grand. Uh, let's see. Other folks who dialed in with a hand up, proceed. Can I uh, get in here? Our caller in Ohio. Go Buckeyes. All right. Hey, Gus, I, I'm impressed with you because you're similar to me where I don't have any kids. But one of the things that I have noticed about you greatly is you seem to think about the outcomes that happen for these kids that are out there. And one of the things that I'm seeing now that I'm much older is uh, what occurred for people in my generation, in particular early millennials who've had kids uh, when they were younger, seeing how their now adult kids' lives have turned out and hearing the stories about their upbringing that at the time, you know, you were seeing things but didn't necessarily understand it. So I'm impressed with your, your willingness to always have a level of care for the next generation, because in all honesty, I very rarely have seen that out of people who actually have kids. They seem to have a view of their child as if it's a vanity project, as if it was like going to the Porsche dealership and buying the Porsche, but then after a while you get sick of having to pay $2,000 a month, and you're just like, I can't wait for this lease to be up so I can send this thing away. Like, that's what I've seen out of it. So I can only imagine some of the terror stories that uh, – this next generation that will be the children of uh, the grandchildren of millennials. So I applaud you for that, man, because that's extremely rare to see a person who has that type of focus and dedication to wanting to, uh, you know, think through a process and help people try to protect the children. On the lady who was talking about her boss wants a 30-minute phone call about non-work essentials, keep that simple because that's just a setup, you know what I'm saying? business is business. That's why when you hear people say uh, it's not personal, it's business, I'm not saying that you shouldn't take certain things that occur personal because it can be an attack on you, but in terms of the, the, the business side of it, it's about getting work products out of people. So when it comes down to it, even though she's saying it's, it's a conversation about you know non-work stuff, she's still trying to figure out something about you. You get what I'm saying? It's like if it, one of the things that I noticed white people used to say to me quite a bit is, you know, um, you're not easy to read. And I, I think about, like, what does that mean? And what I realized is if somebody can't read you easily, they're not going to understand what you value, what you care about, and then how to take that and use it against you. You get what I'm saying? When they can't figure that part out, they're dead in the water, and it actually exposes them because they're going to have to keep on probing, trying to figure stuff out in their demeanor around you. The way they'll carry themselves around you will be different because they don't feel comfortable enough with you because they don't understand how to exploit you. So I'd say keep that real stupid simple. I get asked for, you know, let's go hang out and all this other stuff, and I'll ask the person, well, what are we going to talk about? You know what I'm saying? If it's business, then I have an interest, but even in that, I still focus on keeping it to the business because people like to do you know, let's go hang out, get some drinks someplace, or we'll go out and get something to eat, and they just want to chat you up to see what you know or what information they can get from you. So even on the um, self-employment side, entrepreneurial side, we deal with that a whole lot. So we're very aware of those tactics because at all times we have to be aware of that. So I'd say keep it simple, 
one of the things I've seen, they always love to try to probe into your relationship to figure out what you're doing, what your uh, faculties, who you're dating, what you like to date, uh, uh, sexual habits, patterns, behaviors. They, it always will go down that road when you're dealing with white people because that's their go-to thing to figure out, are you open to what type of sexual antics? So if you do have to have that conversation, I just keep it very vague. Actually, I would say stay with Neely Fuller says, you know, ask questions back to her. You get what I'm saying? So since this white person wants to talk about non-work essentials, we're going to talk about white people. But I'm not going to let you know we're talking about white people. You know, so, hey, which one of your cousins come from the wealthy side of your family? You get what I'm saying? You'll cut that conversation real short because white people do not like to talk about money and in particular how money flows through their family. That's all I have to say, but Gus, big props to you, man. Uh, Whitney Houston, didn't she say that? <laughs> Dr. Doctor Africa called her a nutrition Uncle Tom. Uh, I'm still wounded on that one. Uh, she said children are our future. Keep that in mind. Very important. And Dr. Welsing, she used to talk about that all the time. If anything, that is credit to Dr. Welsing because she talked about that every single time that she came on this platform and pretty much every time that I heard her uh, speak about white supremacy racism and she was a general and child psychologist and she talked all the time about black children that she spoke to and the impact racism white supremacy had and specifically when parents don't plan all this out and when parents as he said now that wow what a metaphor treating a black child male or female in a system of white supremacy like the lease on a vehicle man I'll be tired when this lease is up man I'll be glad when this lease is up oh my god man I, I said that before in a system of white supremacy that's your thinking as an attempted black parent like oh we I'll be glad when you're 18 you are out of here like whoo why did you have the child to begin with like hey we could fast forward through all of this and then you could i don't know what it is that you're exactly you know missing out on or upset about or whatever but i mean hey think about all of that before you get to the bedroom because it should be glorious night not you know you're 18 and out the door like as long as i am alive i am gleefully vested in your best interest and anything that I can do to support your best interest in a system of white supremacy or even a system of justice that's the way correct thinking attempted black parent should sound in a system of racism unless I've been misinformed again I don't have offspring but I have seen a whole lot of the other side and we just or well, we call it Ohio is not an educator but at least we heard from two educators that is what is waiting on us and none of that sounds like it is going to benefit justice black people anything constructive just having generation after generation of throwaway children being terrorized and abused and then sent to prison like <laughs> enough with the madness right at least stop having children like hey anywho uh sobriety would be best get that one again i would get that established too like man you start a new job like oh i am all about sobriety we had the caller who suggested as has gusty hey 
I've had major issues in my family, people that I care about with substance abuse. I just don't put myself in certain environments because that's been a huge problem. And I think that's exactly what, what oh, wow. I doubt there'll be any more elbow twisting. Oh, come on. You got to come out with us and have drinks. And, oh, you got to come out to have, eh, eh, eh. nip all that in the bud from the beginning. Like a, now if you've been there for a year and you've been doing happy an hour and everything, they seen you, you got pictures up with them doing tequila shots and everything. It's going to be a little bit more jarring to stop all of that. But if you best you can arrest that behavior. And then once you start a new job, clean sobriety would be best. I don't even hang out in those environments. Let us see. Other folks who much obliged caller in Ohio. Other folks who dialed in. Again, if we have any suggestions for the uh, young lady with the micromanaging boss or if you have any uh, tips for B questions going through an interview. Other folks who dialed in with a hand up. Proceed. Hello. Hotel. Greetings, Irie in Louisiana. Hi, Gus. And thanks for letting me speak tonight. Um, I was going to call and listen, but of course, um, things have come up that I think I can help with. Um, but as far as being an attempted parent, um, it doesn't stop after 18. Um, I mean, even my mother, uh, she's the only parent I have left. She still mothers me in certain ways, and I'm... <laughs> not a minor by a long shot um so that that goes until you know you leave the planet and it it hurts me the to witness people speaking um that way about their kids and i just finished having a meeting where people were were mentioning how to get the parents interested in the black student union at the school that i've been um I guess you could say volunteering is technically um, we're going to get paid for it, but um, I was basically nominated to do it because of my concerns. And um, everybody's stumped on how to get the parents involved and their kids are in the club. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. But um, uh, I was speaking with, I just wanted to mention, you know, we talk about hanging out with white people on the job and you mentioned somebody having an appointment with someone at work about stuff not related to work. And I didn't realize this perhaps because I'm not in the traditional workplace anymore and I don't substitute teach anymore, but um, I've been helping a a friend of mine out uh, with some health issues and she has major depression and she admitted that she was, suicidal slightly and she brought up that she um, hasn't been getting invited to outings with her co-workers and I asked the makeup of the co-workers by so-called race she mentioned one black guy that she doesn't interact with at all because he's a she works at a gym he's a trainer all the other people are like supporting staff. I guess they, you know, register people or clean up or whatever. I don't know. And everyone else was white except for what sounds like an, a white identified Asian. And she really 
is hoping to be included in this social circle with her employee and fellow employees. And she told me that white guy called after hours to ask about something, some kind of key, and she thought she didn't have it, but she did. She gave it back promptly, and then he, she said, he really chewed me out. I'm like, you want to go out with these people? You know, and wow, I just, I felt so bad because I was like, is this, this is um, like wanting to be in an abusive relationship, you know? Uh, And I'll say this, uh, as far as the whole let's have a meeting about non-work stuff at work, personally, DGQ for me, I don't see I don't understand, and maybe the person can say how they would have leeway to tolerate that activity, but I can't even perceive this person, and I think it's a female, so I'm thinking my female instinct is maybe the same. I don't see there being tolerance for this type of activity, so because of that, it's an assumption. I'm just trying to use logic in my assumption and say I think it would be best to just cut it to a close immediately and say pull pull the comfort card. The whole thing right now since the 2020s began is I'm not comfortable. I feel, you know, blah, 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 right? Pull it. That's a metaphor. I'm sorry, but Just say, hey, you know, it makes me really uncomfortable to talk about things that's not about work. You know, I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm not sure I want to talk about that. You know, do what they do. You know what they do. They fake cry. They, they get all, oh, I'm scared and stuff. I'm not saying go full, you know, go all the way silly with it, but at least. Do it to them like they would do it to you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not comfortable. I, I, I'd rather not, you know, and, and seriously keep it moving because what else is the meetings for? Like, are, were they, I need to know a little bit more. Like, were y'all cool before something and now the person is in charge of you and now they want to catch up old times? I'm, you know, for a person that don't have no, interest outside of work in your life to take and want to interrogate an um, an employee about things that are happening while they're not at work specifically is alarming to me. And I'll mute my line. Hotel. Much obliged, Irie. Um, I think for that strategy, a key word that white people would employ, boundaries. I think they would find a way to work that in that I think just think it's important that we have, you know, appropriate uh, boundaries in place between, you know, what's what's workplace, what's personal. I shame. They would work. <laughs> they would get that word in there somewhere. I think that is a good like to write down. Even if that's you want to think about that strategy for anyone out there, I would get that word in there. Boundaries. I think it's important that we have appropriate workplace boundaries. 
But yeah, that's a great one uh, for Irie in Louisiana. So that way folks can have a variety kind of to pick from. But I think, yeah, taking the, the comfort, uh, the enjoyment, because I mean, all of the, I just, who does that? Like, we're going to have 30 minutes to chat. I mean, unless we are like homies, I guess if white people do that sort of thing, if it's going to the golf club type of a thing, we're at least with that. Like, hey, we're playing golf. Like, if I'm into golf, like, yeah whatever <laughs> like i can work on my my putting game and all that work on my long game whatever while we're out here enjoy the nature it's better than being in the office but i mean we're gonna sit in the office and talk about our weekends and vacation you're plotting and scheming to get information to use against me what they say the tacky racist metaphor call i won't even say it but they'll say call a spade a spade call a racist a racist that's what this is Much obliged, uh, Irie in Louisiana. Tacky all the way. Um, let's see. Uh, other folks who dialed in, if we missed you totally, if you have like your own situation uh, and or you have suggestions, right, for any of the folks who dialed in uh, this talking about vacations and all that nonsense, that situation uh, be going through her interview process, the COVID situation and how that's changed in your workplace, meaning like the protocols and all. Uh, or if you have your own details to share, feel free. Uh, folks who dialed in with the hand up, uh, if we missed you totally. Can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. If you could uh, speak up a little bit, that would be grand. Yes. Can you hear me, Gus? Beautiful. Um, Colin, Beautiful. Virginia. Yes, okay, ma'am. Great. Um, greetings to all. Um, I have a little uh, thing to share that just happened uh, just a couple of hours ago, so I wanted to hear some feedback on it. Um, I was having dinner with two friends, um, victims of racism, two uh, um, fellow black folks. And uh, one of the women, well, one of the persons who was there, a female, she stated, she kind of shared an experience that she had in which she was interviewing somebody. She's in a hiring position. And she was interviewing a black male victim of racism. And through the interview process, he started talking about racism. And so my question for the folks on the call, if you have some feedback, because it was a very curious story, she said that everyone else on the team um, who interviewed him, all white males, raved about him, thought he was a very good candidate. But in his um, interview with her, he brought up racism, and she felt that that was enough to perhaps disqualify him from hiring. Um, so I'm just curious as to how, you know, people are dealing with this kind of thing. Is, does this happen in interviews? I've never experienced this. So um, not only do I think it's not a good idea to talk about racism during an interview, I, I agree with Mr. Fuller, you talk about, you know, what other people want to talk about. It might not be the best topic to bring up. But if you were... Um, faced in an interview situation this, where the other victim is trying to perhaps gain camaraderie with you by talking about racism or sharing their concerns about racism, do you think that's enough to disqualify them for the position? Do you feel like that's um, an inappropriate thing? And, you know, how would you feel um, as a victim of racism being in a situation like that? And what would you do um, to kind of deal with the white people who didn't experience that in the interview process and actually raved about this candidate process. This candidate was a good person. Does that make sense, that story that I'm sharing? Um, I'm just kind of curious about what anyone might think about. 
Hmm. Wow, we have lots of our yoga retreat uh, alumni with us. So our caller in Virginia, she was with us uh, in VA, uh, young yes, academic. Indeed. He was with us in VA and in Florida, non-Clemson grads with us in spirit was mentioned. He was also uh, with us in VA. Whoopee, yoga and wellness to everyone. Plant-based, eat lots of plants and veggies. Um, this is one like context. Number one, like just off top, I totally agree. Like, wow, I would never, ever, ever. <laughs> Same thing. Let me pull it on again. So, if my mom, Neely Fuller Jr., Johnny Cochran, the late great, they are interviewing me for the job. Even then, I don't think I'm bringing up racism. Like, well, you know, brothers and sisters. This show has been hard on a black brother getting it. Like, are you serious? Like, no way. Like, never, ever, 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 ever. Like, it would have to be like that. What I just said. Like, my mom is interviewing me. Like, it doesn't matter what I say in the interview. I got the job. In which case, why am I even doing the interview? If it's that sort of thing, like we could have rubber stamped this a long time ago and waste time. I would never, ever encourage a black person. It would be the exact. Out. Like, you do not ever bring up rate even if it's a black person and if you like is this some sort of like brother man you know what it's like for us colored people going through it and white even like what if it was that sort of thing like no that i don't know if that would be enough to disqualify somebody but now if it was they brought up racism in some kind of way and just saying that you know non-white people are mistreated and i've had lots of experience where i was qualified and they took a white person who was less qualified. Like they brought it up like that. That definitely wouldn't be something that would disqualify a candidate for me. Like I wouldn't encourage that either. But you know, yeah, that happens to a lot of black people. Like, mm-hmm. but she said, like you'd have to give me some more details because you said this seemed like it was kind of a ploy. So, do you have details on what this pitch sounded like to to kind of be like? I don't know, currying favor, like we should be in this together type of a thing as brothers and sisters. Like, what did this pitch sound like? Well, she said he talked about racism, and then I, I asked more. She said that the first thing he asked her was where she was from because she's from the Caribbean. So she said she's from, you know, the island that she's from. And then he said, oh, you know, I have a relative from there. And then he started talking about Africa. And then from there, he just started, I guess, I don't know what he said from there, but she viewed it as a conversation about racism. Those are the only three things that she said, though. So it could have just been her perception because he mentioned the island and then Africa and his relative. And but she said he talked for 30 minutes about racism. She didn't say more. I should have asked. Mm, mm, mm. Play, I felt like I could play the sound clip right here. <laughs> like black brother, black brother. <laughs> Um, okay, that's more de- so I'm still not I, based on what you said, that wouldn't be enough to disqualify the person, like unless they said some really outlandish things when they got to Africa I mean, or I, I don't know, like I, yeah, th- it would have to be they said something really outlandish once it got to Africa and all the rest of it, but like that doesn't sound in and of itself like. Oh, yeah, we shouldn't be hiring this person and them coming in talking like that and saying this to me because I'm a black person and thinking I'd be down like that's not the vibe that I got. If anything, that's just another like, 
when you go on these jobs united independent like that is a horrendous mistake to make in 2022 thinking that just because this person has a certain amount of melanin we are gonna be cool and Woo, I can use the metaphor. I can let my hair down that tacky racist metaphor. I can let my hair down and oh, we can just talk like we are long lost cousins. Are you serious? That is well, I can't say that's amazing because we are confused about racism. That is a horrible mistake. I don't think that's a reason to disqualify someone from a job. But wow, um, if they got the job, that might be one where, you know, depending on what type of rapport I had with the person, I maybe wouldn't do it immediately. But if they got, you know, on the job and we got to a point where we were comfortable, I might even pull them aside and tell them that, like, wow, that is kind of risky. Like, uh, woo, there are a lot of black people who do not believe racism exists. Uh, a lot of black people who would take offense at you, even like, whatever the person said, like, yeah, there are many, many black people just because you are classified as black and I am classified as black. That does not matter at all. And you shouldn't think that it does matter going into an interview. Even once you get the job, you shouldn't think that way. Like you are setting yourself, you're putting yourself in a very vulnerable position. They might go back and tell. She probably did go back and tell white people that sort of thing. Like, oh, my God, like. Whew, that's painful <laughs> to not get a imagine that like the other white candidates are like, oh, bravo, impressive, stunning. We should hire <laughs> And the reason to be not that I thought this person was not qualified or they showed up late, their suit was wrinkled, fingernails were dirty, had broccoli in his teeth. No, 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 no. Talked about racism, which that can mean so many things like that's nebulous. She said Africa and the Caribbean, like he might not have even said racism. Do not think you have. Yeah, I, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I, I'm, I'm glad that you shared what you would have done because that's how I felt in the moment. And I even said that what I would do is I would still hire the person black male candidate because, you know, many times, you know, we don't get the opportunities in these, you know, jobs. If he's qualified in every other way, I would still hire him, but I would probably pull him aside afterwards and say, hey, just want you to know that that might have not been the best way to go about things, you know, talking about this topic. I would have done the same thing, but it's all hypothetical. She decided that it was enough for her not to hire him, so he's not going to be hired. But I don't know how she'll stand up to the white people who all liked him, so that's, you know, the other question, but um that's all thank you for uh, allowing me to share that because it was it was unusual sounding to me. thank you i'll mute black male privilege Woo! my god deontay wilder oh my god <laughs> Woo! black male privilege black male privilege mm the white people like the person and the black person gets the deciding no way talked about (laughs) my goodness Mm. brothers and sisters um, I'm not that's all I can say it's painful though it may be I am not surprised that is it the the uh, lieutenant governor I forgot her name the lieutenant governor in Virginia right now is a black female 
she has made very similar comments like we cannot sit around and blame white people for everything and talk about slavery and uh, rent she is the lieutenant governor right now she got elected. that was part of her uh, campaign uh, platform she took uh less my knowledge of current virginia politics and elected officials is wrong she took uh former lieutenant governor justin fairfax's spot who also is accused of having raping tendencies uh but i'm thousands of miles away from va so i could be wrong but i'll double check to verify i think i get her name and everything wow that is hmm well uh i'll get my standing eight count and get myself together did anybody any more thoughts on that one going through the interview process you mentioned racism talking to another black person thinking that you got a brother or sister on the hiring panel and <laughs> no you do not any comments you want to get into that we nab other people we missed can can she please update us on what happens because this is something i would like to know what happens and um uh, just wishing well wishes to be about the uh, new position. I think you said it would be in Toronto. So uh, success, Uja, and I'll meet my line. Yes, be in Toronto. Going through the interview process next round. Yes, lots of well wishes uh, and best fortunes uh, from all of us. Big increase in salary. Keep thinking that, putting that into the universe. Enormous increase in salary uh, any other comments situation <laughs> wow Woo. composure sometimes you have to gather anybody have anything else they want to say on that before we get other folks black male privilege he probably said something toxic and raping <laughs> the uh and although i guess she would have said that she wouldn't have just said he talked Whew. i wish i had like a recording of what he said because she said he talked for 30 minutes like that's a lot even that like really did he talk that's a long time for an interview to like just give like an extemporaneous ramble on like the caribbean and africa and <laughs> racist like that's a long time uh to talk to a stranger in a job interview like she didn't have any questions like to stop him at some point like he didn't expect her to ask any questions like he thought this was just i can talk for 30 minutes with my black sister here about what the man has done to us. like woo. uh i guess if that did happen if that did happen now that might be a pause uh, I still don't know if that would be reason to disqualify someone. But like I said, I would definitely make note of, you know, maybe saying something to the person after they got hired. But do not talk about racism in the workplace. Definitely do not talk about racism in the hiring process, even with other black people. Black male privilege. Hmm. Let's see. Other folks we missed totally uh, if you have commentary to share uh, lines should be open Jiminy, that is amazing <laughs> I might need to take another standing eight count to get my head together like wow that is I'm, hey guys you mind if I say something about what the lady was just speaking about with the hiring of the black guy uh, let's see this is our uh, caller in Ohio again yes sir 
um, one of the things that I I learned is that you know keep the racist talk even with other black people even from the business standpoint even if you're the owner don't ever try to relate to a black person in a business environment off blackness because just in the general sense of everyday life there's not a oneness under blackness like there is with whiteness like I've been able to hear um, conversations between people who are white who are getting hired hold on one second I gotta meet my line the snow trucks coming down the street Black brother, like brother hell. Okay, I'm back at it. Sorry about that. I'm sitting outside in the snow truck piles going down the street. But uh, what I've what I've heard white folks talk about in interviews would is absolutely mind boggling. I mean, the interview isn't even like what they call quote unquote professional. They get into talking about life experiences and and some very you know intimate things that you wouldn't think about talking about. But that's because I've learned they have a unification under whiteness, which means, you know, let's get comfortable with each other so we have an understanding of how we're going to operate in this environment. In comparison to as a black person, really, you just need to be figuring out how you can get into the environment. So I think that's a good lesson, hopefully, that uh, black people, male and female, can understand that. Be very clear, there isn't a oneness under blackness. You might think you can come in with the black brother and sister and, you know, let's understand each other's plight, but as you see... All it takes is somebody who doesn't have or feel that type of connection for you, and they'll give you the same results the white folks will give you. I'm going to mute my line. Black brother. Like brother of hell. Oh, my goodness. Mm. That clip is a little more poignant. I think I said it before. That is Sydney Port, the late Sydney Portier uh, in that segment. But, whew, man. I was giggling while I was muted because I said, man, if I had been our caller in VA, if I had been her and we're sitting down to a meal and explaining this, like, oh, my, I lost my appetite. <laughs> I was like, I was like, see, that's exactly why you don't get invited to dinner dates now because you go and cut a fool like they're just trying to tell you something like do what? And you did. <laughs> I would have said black male privilege about eight times and like I'm good. I'm good. I, yep, can't do anything. Yep, I'm good. Dessert, nothing. I'm good. Woo, black male. Are you going to say that the rest of the meal? <laughs> like, yep. <laughs> oh, my God. We are not going to make it. Uh, let's see. Other folks who dialed in with a hand up, you have commentary to share? May I be heard? Our caller in Florida. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Greetings to Gus, the host, the listeners and callers. Uh, seems like it's been a bit of, uh, well, quite a bit of misandry, black misandry going on um, at the courthouse. Uh, one was uh, where a victim, unfortunately, again, was in a personal conversation with a white woman, the same white woman who has transferred to the segregated area. Uh, and they were talking about, you know, 
their either their sons or their nephews growing up through puberty and their voice changing and everything. So she said that since she has two boys, she uh she has to prepare because no one likes the grandma on the daddy side, right? Um, and I, you know, I'm sitting there listening to that. I'm like, I'm wondering why would she even say that? Like, no one likes the grandmother on the daddy side. Like, I guess if they have children one day and, uh, the white woman laughed with her and she was like, Oh, what are you worried about him bringing a girl home? And she responds saying, no, I'm worrying about leaving them everywhere. Saying that, you know, implying that he's going to produce multiple children. So this is the mentality that she is showing on her own two sons. Um, that same white woman, right, that she was talking to, the black manager, uh, approached her. She related this. Once again, personal. She said that black lady approached her and said, hey, your eyes are a little dark under, you know, your under eyelid is, is kind of dark. Is everything okay? Right? Now, this person is also dating a black male, fiance. Uh, and she is implying that this person is beating her. So she replies and says, oh, no, no, that's not happening. Because if it was, I would be on the first, uh, the first 48 or whatever the name of the show is. So the black female manager, the victim, she didn't get the reference. And she said that, yeah, you know, that, that would never be happening. Because that happened to me before. And the next time it happens again, I'm going to kill him. That's what she said. Now, I ain't, you know, I, they'll throw me under the jail, all these kind of uh, references. So, you know, more anti-black male violence. Um, there was a black male, uh, I think it might have been like an African immigrant, so-called, I guess, based on the name. So I get back from the post office and I come into the segregated area and the white woman is uh, covered from when I'm gone. So she was taking her time and everything, finishing the index and verifying. So this black male walks in uh, <laughs> and he walks past the barriers, the employees only barriers, which other people have done as well. But he did it in a different way. And he says, hey, you know, I just want to make sure uh, I don't have any pending charges under my name. And he points at the screen. So she finally wants to all of a sudden log off her, um, you know, screen or whatever so I can get back on. But up until he showed up, he was taking it. She was taking her time. So I'm like, okay, I already know what's going on. You know, blackmail threat. Like you said, rapist tendencies, criminal tendencies. Um, that's what I'm thinking in my mind, how they're looking at them. I scanned the whole room. Uh, so 
she wants to back out. She says, um, uh, Blank, I'm going to let you sit back down so you can uh, get back on the computer. What it was, she was in fear. She didn't want to help the black male. So I said, I already know what I got to do. All right. So I helped the guy, you know, and, you know, apparently he had two MH mental health cases um, from 2021. Uh, and the guy was was very intelligent and everything like that, was able to carry on a conversation. But, yeah, I could tell he had some mental health um, issues and whatnot because he said, can I erase this charge with the uh, pencil eraser? I said, no, you can't do that. Can't do it that way. You know what I mean? So, but I was speaking with him like a person is supposed to be treated correctly. We are in customer service. That's supposed to be applied to everyone, you know, justly. Um, So, yeah. Uh, But they was laughing in the background. You know what I mean? Um, Unfortunately, the victim and the two white females. Um, So we, uh, you know, parted ways. I said, you have a good one. And he walked away and he tried to show courtesy. Say, y'all, y'all take care. Y'all have a good one. They didn't even respond. So I said it again. I said, you take care, sir. Um, there was, uh, I have two more. There, there was the word segregation used again. And I said, I said, oh, now y'all want to use this word, huh? She said, oh, but it's so true, though, you know, because they told the other white woman that she can't come over and talk in our area anymore because it's it's leading to them. They talk to the the black female too much, I think. So they both said segregation. So we're segregated now. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I used this word in August, 2020 in the email. It's 2022 now. Now they want to say the word. Okay. Um, and my last one is that there has been, um, four black female new employees. Uh, the fourth one is going to start on the 23rd at the switchboard area. And Gus, I did, I had sent a picture to you of a black female that's standing to the left side of the image where she looks uh, majorly unhappy. And the other group of females on the, toward the right end of the screen, you know, I wanted you to take a look at that image. But, yes, there's going to be uh, four new black female employees, um, no black male, no black male being interviewed. So, as you say, black male privilege. And they see how I behave as well, too. Not blaming myself, but I just, you know, been sitting back reflecting on how they don't usually hire black males. You know, that's something really that I've come to terms uh, to learn. Um And that's all I have to share. Thanks for allowing me to speak. Wishing they hadn't hired you. (laughs) Uh, Much of it. I did see the (laughs) photograph uh, as was stated. It has been very hectic, but yes, like, wow. It's so much like the, uh, let's say the picture is worth a thousand words. Like, wow. Like the, I don't even how you'd have to. Y'all would have to see it, but like the, it's almost like the photo is segregated where they have the uh, victim, this black female, where she's standing, and just the way that she looks, and then their look is 
It is the picture of injustice. White supremacy racism is right there. Just the expression. The expression on her face tells you everything you need to know about the courthouse, racism, white women, like all of the segregated area, all of that. Just the image on her face. And then contrast that with the white women. Then they're all standing together like the clique members just kicking it. Uh, Before I'm going to grab Nick over the road because I had your. Uh, line open a bit ago. Um, the uh, oh, I missed one. Iris said that they chewed the fella out. He was mad about not being invited out by the white people. That's delectable Negro, uh, right there. Uh, anywho, uh, it's all of the chatter about personal business, like when you're voluntarily coming and talking about like what your children are doing, what you did for vacation, whatever brawls and conflicts you're having with your uh, like husband, wife babies parent whatever i mean just even if you worked with like all black people that is like so unprofessional and non-constructive it is multiplied exponentially if you work with racists uh they may seem like they're just kicking it and ha 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 they're all joking and oh yeah i hate them too and all oh, no they are cataloging on and then as he tell every time the unjust networking going back and telling all this even if by some bizarre miracle the race soldier that you're telling all this to is a benign white person whatever that means I'm pretty sure the other white people that she's talking to are not even if you work with other non-white people it is so unprofessional and the same thing I've never heard where somebody come in and spilling all their personal business and oh I can't stand you know the my the children my father's children i can't stand his mother like really that's gonna help me get a raise that's gonna help me get some extra vacation days dr wells gonna say that sort of thing black self-respect f racist get an a as usual um all of the the the, the eyelids so she says uh to, to the white woman he said it was the Black manager comes to the white woman and says, Oh man, is your eyelid dark? Have you been getting beaten up or something? No, I said, What? No, wait, get out of here. What are you talking about? Get out of here. That sort of thing happened again. I'd be on one of those shows, America's Most Wanted or whatever, 48 hours, one of them. Uh, I'd kill him. Wow. And this, I think now we've had a few times where someone has been talking about wishing death on a black male. I'm going to kill a black male. Like, <sighs> we're at the. At the any job why are we even if we were working at McDonald's frying chicken nuggets why are we talking about killing people and wishing death on people over the chicken nuggets much less at the courthouse where justice is supposed to be happening I'm gonna kill him I'm already plotting this I'm taking that's what I'm doing working here taking notes so I'll be successful with it Mm-hmm. Blackmail privilege again. That's interesting too. If I heard that right, like, hmm, the black female sees the white woman. Like, do you think she would have said that? Did I hear that right? The black female said that. You think she would have said that if she was with a white man? <laughs> like, she would have made that suggestion that, dang, is everything all right? Is something? If she was with a with a white man, you think she would have came up and and asked her the same thing? I, you know what? I was I was thinking that same thing. I was wondering about that because I've never heard her 
walk up to anybody else and imply that, you know, and she, she's been informed that she's, um, uh, about to get married to a black male. So, um, she just, from what the white person said, you know, she walked up to her and asked her about that. But I don't think that would have been the case if she was with a, a white guy. Like that's kind of presumptuous. Like, woof! And then to do that sort of thing publicly, like, wow! <laughs> like, uh, I might lean into saying I think that could be some black misandry too. But especially since it seems like it's such a public thing, you know, this whole tragic arrangement thing. Anywho, uh, Nick over the road. I get two more, and then we'll get your comments to wrap us up. Uh, oh, she's. The white woman, she's over at the counter, customer service, no less. The black male comes in. I just want to see what I got on my. Uh, hmm. You know, in fact, ah, oh, I'm so glad to see you. Let me log off. Let me let you get your black brother here. You got this one. I'm gonna go on in the back. In fact, I'm gonna go wait next to the panic button in case we need to shank this Negro. Black male privilege again, and that one. I thought was especially poignant because he's coming. I want to check, see if I got anything on my record. And we didn't hear child rapists like Vinell Cook. Remember, we started the program with that. We didn't hear, you know, that he had looted people. We didn't hear that he tried to do some fraudulent voting. Right. Ron DeSantis. We didn't hear any of that. Mental health. Hmm. Maybe just maybe. If you grow up, you're a black child, people think you're a rapist and a murderer from the time that you're three to wherever you happen to be at. Nigga this, nigga that, you can't go to school, you try to teach and they block you from that and sabotage you and all the rest of it. Maybe that leads to some mental health issues. Then you attempt to go and, hey, let me get my records and do this and, oh my God, he's coming to rape us. Jesus Christ. Let me get to the panic button. You don't rape anyone. You don't stab anyone. He didn't even say that he tried to steal the paper clips. You all have a good day. Thank you so much. Hmm. Raping nigger. He's still in here. Get by the panic. You can't. That's not customers. Thank you kindly. Good evening, sir. Have a nice day, sir. That's it. You don't have to wish him good luck. You don't have to give him any money. Thank you. That's could have two words. Thank you. Glad to help. Thank you. Can't even get that. That kind of thing, too. People don't really want to help you. You're not really welcome. Don't even acknowledge your existence. That kind of thing can lead to some mental health problems, too. Maybe. Nick over the road, wrapping us up, sir. Yes, sir. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, I kind of codified this into to my daily life. Is anything that's federally protected, um, age, sex, gender, race, ethnicity, any of that type of stuff, I don't discuss that with anyone at all in any setting 
unless I'm contracted to. Um, even like controversial stuff like the wage disparities and what somebody want to be identified as, I completely stay away from that stuff when I'm dealing with strangers. Um, and even some of my uh, attempted friends and family. Um, let me see. Now, one of the things that I do is I do um, I do three things in this order. First thing I did is I taught myself how to shut up. And it may be sound kind of simple, but it's not. It is, it's very difficult to, to teach yourself how to shut up. The second thing is I got these words and what these words mean. Because they'll say something around you and you'll think one thing and they talk about something totally different. And the third thing is to know the difference between myself and everything else around me. Um, that's that's been just keep playing it in my mind in my life every day. Um, yeah, and that's it. That's it. Just just codify those things into your life. And yeah, because that that was crazy. I mean, because from what I understand, that there's only certain questions that can be asked in an interview anyway. You know, for him to ask her, like, where she was from or whatnot, I think um, she she was, was supposed to shut that down because that's not what they was there for. And for that, like you said, for that to go on for 30 minutes, that is weird. And for even race not to be brought up from what was said, um, yeah, I don't, I don't get that. That was crazy. Um, and for the young lady that um, emailed in, um, like I always say, get a voice recorder, you know, um, for somebody to tell you not to use your brain at work. I mean, I don't know what kind of job she had. I don't think I caught that. But if it's safety sensitive or like lives or property will be damaged or lives will be lost, that's something that 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 she need to get documented or recorded or something. Cause that's. Yeah. Um and that's all I got, Gus. Thank you for letting me speak. Uh, I'm Ebola. Much obliged. <clears throat> excuse me. Much obliged, Nick. Over the- dehydrated myself. Um, much obliged, Nick. Over the road. That is so sad. That is. Uh, we heard that. Ref- I did all that grousing about the man in the high castle, and it's like, man, maybe he didn't uh, dislike the book after all. Maybe that's true. Uh, in the man in the high castle it ends with one of the characters saying oh man I thought you all would be excited to get accurate information about what's really happening I thought you all would want to know the truth and that is not the case (laughs) in fact some of the people got very upset uh, when she began to reveal truthful information about things and I said ooh that is really familiar like wow racists have done such a great job many race or excuse me many victims we don't want to talk or hear about racism so frequently to minimize conflict and problems can't talk about racism with other black people see our earlier conversation in Virginia uh, he said yeah I don't talk about racism or he had his whole list politics and all of those subjects uh, on the job and or with family or friends unless I have been contracted specifically to do so. Brilliant. That's why I say like none of us, you're not being paid to talk about the situation in Ukraine or racism or any of that. So why are we talking about this on the job? 
Anywho, voice recorder is great too. That's a great one as well for our caller uh, who wrote in. Uh, yeah, I would love that. If somebody could put that in writing in a workplace, do not do too much thinking. Date time. Woo. And she works in the health field. So, yes, that's exactly when I hear uh, that my doctor or nurse or physical therapist has been instructed by their immediate white supervisor. Don't do too much thinking. For sure. We will be here tomorrow. Uh, Saturday compensatory call in. See what has get to mention. Corey Poolholz again different circumstances tomorrow 9 p.m. Eastern 6 p.m. Pacific is black male who used to work at Dunkin Donuts and socked the white rapist in the jaw not for being a child rapist but because he called him a nigger now he's a convicted felon two years house arrest we'll chat about that again tomorrow different circumstance much obliged for everyone's participation uh, live archive hope it was worthy of your time and energy uh, sobriety would be best especially in the workplace uh, we need our brain computers working really well high level thinking to solve this problem in addition to being sober if you're out and about if you see someone being rowdy and hostile exit this is not a time for confrontations with strangers in public you should be thinking he she they could be armed have an entire entourage if you didn't leave your residence prepared to die and or kill exit you can call enforcement officials or what have you as you are vacating uh, if you're in a vehicle you are buckled sober not on the cell phone we need all of our attention to be mindful about what's happening around us and we're trying to do the small things that we can to minimize contact with race soldiers badge or no all of that said, creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy. We ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person no name calling no gossiping and definitely no discussing racism in the workplace even with other black people cows signing out thanks all for tuning in nigga you so brainwashed i'm a victim no brother problem. you're a victim right. i'm a up. victim of 400 years of conditioning shut up the man has programmed my conditioning. Mm -hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. <laughs>